BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Big Sills! Afternoon to you. What a day. And you knew the hammer was going to fall on Doc Rivers. You knew there'd be a price to pay for that embarrassing moment on Sunday. You had to. By the way, Doc Rivers has been on this program, and I love Doc Rivers, but I couldn't believe this stat, and I'm going to throw it at you here. He's lost 10 straight elimination games. 10 straight as a coach. That championship that he won with the Celtics years ago, what was it, 15 years ago? It seems like an Aaron Rodgers moment now. Like, it was in a different era of basketball. Crazy. I mean, had to fall on him. Now, look, I think the way that the Sixers are constructed, you're never going to win a championship with the current roster that you have. Again, we talked a little bit about management yesterday. We talked how the Eagles how they have a system in place and how they have a culture in place. No matter if it's Andy Reid or if it's Nick Sirianni, Doug Peterson, Chip Kelly, it doesn't matter. There's a winning culture in the Eagle organization at the Novacare Center. There's not one with the Sixers. You don't feel that that team is going to win a championship ever. And I'll say this to you too. I was just talking to Tone about this. Um, Joel Embiid, you're never going to win an NBA championship with him being your number one option. And when you bring a guy like James Harden in, and, and for the record, if I'm the Suns, why don't you stop that conversation with him? Why would you walk over that bridge with him? He's not going to deliver shit to you. I don't care he reinvented his game. At the end of the day, James Harden is not a one either. Let me give you a for instance on big men and centers. Name me one center in the history of the sport that was a finisher, that finished basketball games off. Russell, okay. In today's NBA, he'd be a power forward. Okay, I mean, shit, Magic Johnson was as tall as he was. So in his era, again, I mean, he played center, so we we go with that. But Russell, closeout guy, could close basketball games out and did. Olajuwon is the only other guy I can think of that dominated a game, rebounding defensively, offensively, shooting free throws. He's the only guy. Okay? Moses Malone, that's a good one. Kareem, absolutely not. Kareem was the greatest two in the history of basketball. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did not close games out. 
Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson did for him. That is not true. When Kareem or Luas Cinder was in Milwaukee, he didn't close games out. They didn't win a championship until they got Oscar Robertson from Cincinnati. All those years of winning MVPs and scoring titles in Los Angeles, Kareem never won a title until Magic showed up in 1980. Shaq was never a closeout guy. He had Penny Hardaway and Nick Anderson. When he was in Orlando, he had Dwayne Wade in Miami, and he had Kobe in Los Angeles. Shaq wasn't the go-to guy with two minutes left in a game. You're not going to win a championship with Joel Embiid being your number one option. And personally, if I'm him, seeing the landscape of how the Sixers are run, I'd pull an Anthony Davis. I don't know about you, Tone, but I'd pull an Anthony Davis. Davis was never going to win a title in New Orleans. He needs to go to a place where someone can help him cross the finish line. Because the two twos they have in Philly were never going to win an NBA championship. Jason Tatum's a closeout guy. Jimmy Butler's a close. Funny, the Sixers had him and let him go. You had a closeout guy, but you chose wrong. And I said this the other day about the organization. I, I, I get, you know, you can, you can look at the situations as one of, and this goes one more time to how great the Eagles are as an organization. But look at the mistakes, folks. Simmons, the Butler decision. Bringing in James Harden. What did it get you? Eliminated. Embiid, as of right now in NBA history, is the only guy to win that award, never getting to a conference finals. In the history of the sport, you think he's really going to carry you to an NBA title? He's not. I, you, you have to make a deal for an elite one. Or you're never going to win. Go play with Kawhi in his 66 games. Kawhi's the one when he feels like playing. I mean, there's very few of these guys. That's why you see dominance with the Golden State Warriors or you're seeing this great run with Miami. Isn't it funny? The two bubble teams may end up getting actually back to the NBA Finals when everyone wanted to put an asterisk on it. Both those teams are in their conference finals. How crazy is that? Well, it's great management. Look what Rob Palenka did to get the Lakers to where they are right now. Good management. Rob pulling all the right moves and making all the right decisions, right? Pat Riley, probably the second best executive to Jerry West in NBA history, right? There's no coincidence that look at the organizations that are in the finals. You got great management upstairs. The, the, the Sixers don't have that. They, they don't have that. So what I would say is this. Hey, Embiid, you're never going to win an NBA championship in Philadelphia. You're just never. You need to pull an Anthony Davis. You need to go find a guy to play with. Maybe you go to Golden State somehow. Do something like that. Look at KD. KD's not a one. Never has been. Never will be. Two championships were awesome. But they won championships before him and after him in Golden State. He didn't carry the mail there. 
He was the LeBron James factor in Golden State. My point is, is that the Sixers, and what Rick Barry said on the program the other day, they're constructed horribly and coached bad. Now, look, Doc, I don't think Doc deserved to be fired, but someone's got to fall on his sword for that disgusting performance by those two guys and the entire team. I mean, it's just what it was on Sunday. It was a disgrace. These guys aren't available. Okay, I get it. Who in their right mind ever thought? Look at Giannis. Giannis, Giannis is a guy that carries people. And B's not carrying anybody. The guy in Denver may carry his team to an NBA title. I think people look at Joel Embiid and they go, hey, he's the best big man we've had since probably Moses Malone, right? Funny. I don't see the same intangibles of Malone. Hell, I don't see the same intangibles as Shaquille O'Neal. I just, I mean, so the news earlier, Doc Rivers was relieved of his duties as the head coach of the 76ers. Had to happen. Because, <laughs> you know, when you suck and your players lay down and your players don't perform, it's always on the coach, isn't it? See, to me, that's more player accountability. Dude, somebody's got to stand up and play. You can't keep firing coaches, making excuses. You just can't. Eventually, you got to look at the people you have in the room. And you have to go like this. I'm not winning with him. But he's a great talent. I don't care. I'm not winning with him. Let me give you another example of that. How many people thought Seattle was going to make the, pl- the playoffs last year? They got rid of Russell Wilson. I never in my wildest imagination thought that the Seahawks were going to be good last year. But Pete Carroll has been telling us that for the last really three years that it's time to move on. Nobody in Seattle wanted to hear it. Nobody in the league wanted to hear it. Pete Carroll was an asshole for wanting to move on. Funny how that now and that narrative has changed. It's true. It's true. I wonder, I wonder what this was. I wonder what this was when Doug Peterson got fired and they decided to go with Howie instead of keeping Doug. I wonder how that went down. I wonder what people thought. Truly, some of you thought that the Eagles kept the wrong guy. Because since I've been talking sports, and mostly to the Eagle fans, That wasn't the narrative when I first jumped on here. The narrative when I first jumped on here was that Howie Vision. Okay? Howie Vision. So to me, I mean, end of the day, this does come down to management one more time. Comes down to management. Sixers making excuses. And you go after Doc. Doc's going to get a job again. But I don't think you can escape the 10 straight elimination game losses that he's had. You know, he's turning out to be, he does have a championship, but a little bit like Marty Schottenheimer. Okay? Just, you got to perform in the postseason, Doc. All right. Let's move on to some topics here. By the way, we got a shitload of them. Meryl Reese is going to join us in hour number two at 4.30 Eastern time. And I want to do this here. Um, 
there's still some holes to be made on this Eagle team. And as June 1 comes around the corner here, Howie may have to take out the shopping cart. May have to take out the shopping cart. And I wrote down four guys that I think are going to be either people you're going to try to deal for in a trade or could be salary cap casualties. Okay? Where is the biggest weakness now for Howie to still address this offseason? Let's underscore one thing here, too. Remember something. C.J. Gardner-Johnson did not become a Philadelphia Eagle until nine days before the start of the season. Howie was building the roster still a week out from the opener in September of last year. Christian, I like your thinking. Christian, I like your thinking. Okay? I like it. Let me bring these names up before we get to the topics. Linebacker, I agree, guys. Because you know what you can do with linebackers, too? You can also put them on your special teams. And it's a fail-safe for N'Kobe Dean in case N'Kobe Dean doesn't live up to what we actually think he can be. Fair? Okay. I do have Miles Jack on this list. I think Miles Jack at $11.5 million probably is going to be a little bit too rich for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they're building that roster back up again, especially when they're trying to put new pieces in the secondary back there. Miles Jack's $11.5 million contract is probably going to be a little too much for the Steelers and the Rooney family for them to be able to absorb. I see him either restructuring or going out in the open market and potentially landing in a place like Philadelphia. I would have great interest in somebody like Miles Jack. Why? Valuated great. He's not being whacked in Pittsburgh because he's not productive. He's being whacked in Pittsburgh like James Bradbury was in New York because of money. You know, sometimes when you start making, look, the top end of linebackers in the NFL is $20 million. 11.5? That's rich for the Steelers. They don't spend that kind of money. I would love this. Miles Jack, Steeler. To the Eagles, I would dig this. I believe C.J. Mosley, who is, who is reportedly going to make $21.4 million, not a chance, when you got to pay Aaron Rodgers next year $100 million, and you have to pay him $100 million. Mosley's a top-end linebacker in the NFL. I would love to have someone like this playing in the middle. By the way, I think they need to get experience in that linebacking core. I think you need experience. The Buda Baker deal, the more I think about it, the more it's a possibility. However, does Arizona cut him? This guy wants to get a, an Adams-type deal. He's not going to make $20 million. No safety is going to make $20 million. 
That's not going to happen. They're not doing that what Seattle did a couple years ago when they made that deal for the jet safety. Nobody's doing that anymore. Nobody's doing that. How about Chuck Clark? Baltimore, safety, 6.7. I think he's going to be a casualty because of the salary cap, and I think Baltimore end up because of the new contract they just gave Lamar Jackson. I think he could be one of these guys that Howie Roseman looks at after June 1. All right, which one of these four guys? Miles Jack, C.J. Mosley, Buda Baker, Chuck Clark. Two safeties and a linebacker. I think these are the positions you need to look for when it comes to getting experience. Okay? But which one of these guys? C.J. Mosley? I like him. I I think C.J. Mosley is a player that could come into Philadelphia and solidify that defense. And let me just put it to you this way. If you get one of these four players on your defense, you could have the best defense in the NFC. Okay? They could have it. I'm going to get to Devin White here in a second here. They could have the best defense. One of these players could solidify that. Okay? I like, for me, it's the, Miles Jack is probably the cheaper guy. But Mosley would be the one for me that I would like to have the Eagles pursue. Okay? I, I, I totally would. All right. I want to get to the topics. Real quick, guys. You guys are asking me about company business. How would I know? I don't know anything about that, nor is it my business. I don't care. Have no, I don't ask questions like that. I see you guys. Look, I'm not ignoring anybody. I don't know anything. It's not my business. Big Sills has enough to worry about for three hours. Okay? Seriously. I'm a one-man band here. I'm a one-man band. Me worrying about other people's gigs is crazy and counterproductive to me. So when you ask me questions like that, it's not that I'm ignoring you. I don't know. Okay? I, I have no idea. And it's not my business. I don't own Jacob. So when you ask me that, I don't know. I've learned one thing, and I just told Tone this. I learned one thing in my 32 years of doing this. Worry about my own gig. (laughs) Okay? I worry about my own gig. Hey, Twitch, you know what I'm saying? I just worry about big sales here. I'm thankful that I get a chance to come on every single day. I have no idea what's going on business-wise. If I own the company, it'd be a different story. But I come on here every day, 3 to 6 Eastern time. That's all I know. And somebody just said, ask Tone. No, I don't care to know. It's not my business. I don't care. Why would I care about someone else's gig when I got to worry about my own? <laughs> Makes no sense, guys. Do you worry about the people you work with and their gigs? And if you are, you're not a productive person. I just, I just worry about big sales here. 
<laughs> Stone goes like this, dude. I get a call every day to be a producer. What the hell do I know? <laughs> yeah. Love you guys, man. I appreciate it, bud. I think you take me for a little more than I and what I am that I kind of worry about other people. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> At least you ain't crying like Debo. Thank you, Cosmo. Slasher goes, that's the hard truth. Absolutely, man. Do you know how many shows and you know how many producers and things that I've seen in my 32 years in broadcasting? <laughs> Hoss, it's what it is, man. <laughs> Any offensive line. Hey, Michael, do you notice that? A lot of old linemen guys don't get cut. <laughs> okay. They find ways to keep them dudes. And if not, they trade them. Debo, all good, man. I appreciate it. And I understand. I get it. You know, you get, hey, it happens all the time, though, in our business. JM, <laughs> JM, man, you have the line of the day. Everybody's replaceable, including me. My moccasin's on the wall, too. You kidding me? We're all worker bees, like Howard Stern says. Unless you own your own domain, unless you own your own moat, we all work for somebody in the world. <laughs> hey, JM, seriously, program director called me in, man. He goes, yeah, guy, guy nailed his shoes to the, to the door and put a note under it. Try replacing these. You know what the guys did? He goes, easy. You're cheaper. They hired somebody cheaper. Little less numbers, same revenue. Didn't matter. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Those were nice compliments too, by the way. I missed the old vodka commercials. I agree with Sills that Gannon was distracted in the Super Bowl because of his backdoor dealing with the cards. Be water, correct, and I agree. Okay. <laughs> Looked real stupid walking into a parking lot in socks. <laughs> hey, let's get to Devin White. From what I'm understanding, talking to Bruce Arians, that conversation's not going anywhere. The conversation with Devin White and his people aren't going anywhere. I don't believe that they would cut him. But if you're the Eagles, would you make a move for him? He's a $20 million a year guy. And the Eagles don't spend that kind of money. Is it too rich for their blood? Now, look, he's 25 years old. He's 25 years old. You could have that guy in that position for the next decade. Is that worth it? You would never have to draft another linebacker. Because you've got your guy. He's one of the top three... He's one of the top three guys in the league. Would the Eagles make a move to go get him? White, $18 million a year. That's a little too rich, I think, for them. I don't believe they want to spend that kind of money. CJ goes, I would do it. You know why, CJ, I think the $20 million might be worth it? Because of his age. Tone, I believe he's 25. So him being that young, being the captain of a Super Bowl champion team, and being that productive, 20 million seems like 
that it's a bargain. Because if that guy plays 10 years, is that not worth it? Having a guy that's a staple on your defense for the next decade, wouldn't that be worth it? I'd rather pay for a number three wideout. Not me. Number three wideout. Why would I need to pay that kind of money for a number three wideout? I got to worry about paying Devontae in two years. Why would I want to do that? I'm not wasting my resources on a number three wideout. I would maybe make the move. I would see how much I could deal with because I'd love to have Devin White, CJ Mosley. I think they need to get a guy like that in the building. Smith is small. Um, I would say this to you. I would say that I would like to have that opportunity to at least broach that conversation. Devin White's a great ball player. I think he's a great football player. Okay, I do. I think he's a great football player. Um, I want to get to this topic. How important, how will the Eagles utilize DeAndre Swift? What option will he be in this new offense for the Eagles? What would we say the number one option is on this team for Jalen Hurts? What's the number one option? Run the ball? Goddard? AJ? Devontae, first down. Hmm. So that's running the ball then. That's running the ball. Interesting. Okay. So then he has to be a focal point in the attack. A.J. Goddard, Smith, and Swift, Tone says. Could he be the most important player in this offensive huddle, DeAndre Swift? Here's why I say this. You're going to have something in your backfield that you haven't had since Jalen Hurts has been a starting quarterback. You know what that is? You're going to have the ability to have a screen game. That's got to improve his chances of getting to 4,000 passing yards. Okay? That's got to improve his chances. You know, the Eagles have no screen game. They've got to be the only football team in the NFL that doesn't have a screen game. But that's because that's what the RPO is. You see, screen game is, it's, it's reads. It's part of a progression that most quarterbacks in the NFL go through. You don't see your opens, go to the screen game. It's a high percentage play. Brady's made a career out of it and won Super Bowls with that play. That entire screen game, Brady, the intermediate passing game, it has won Brady seven Super Bowls. Deep passing game does not win Super Bowls. The intermediate passing game does. Brady has shown you that. Appreciate you coming aboard, Joey. How important can he be in this? And how would you utilize DeAndre Swift? I, do you build your offense around him? He could be a Le'Veon Bell. How important was Le'Veon Bell in that Steeler offense? He was a 1,500-yard back, and he was what? 
700-yard receiving guy. He became such a focal point of that attack with Ben Roethlisberger, AJ. Hey, hell, even uh, Smith-Schuster, who was the number two option on that team. This guy could be a force in this offense. And I think that was one of the attractive things that they saw in that game one of last year was that this guy could be a major focal point. My opinion, do you run the offense through him? Run the ball? And and listen, I'm talking about other than Jalen here. Le'Veon Bell was a superstar. That's what Christian says. Really? How many people think Le'Veon Bell was a superstar? I'll tell you what, when he left Pittsburgh, you really think he was a superstar player? Usually superstar players are superstar players like Brady or Stafford or whomever. And they go other places and they win and put up great numbers. Le'Veon Bell was a turd when he left Pittsburgh. He never recouped anything, including his money. He went to the Jets. He was a disaster. He's out of the league now. He was a baller with the Steelers because the Steelers ran the offense through him. Not through A.B. They ran the offense through Le'Veon Bell. Can you imagine if Le'Veon Bell becomes a guy that, here, what would you be more in fear of? Knowing that you got Devontae Smith, you got Dallas Goddard, and you got A.J. Brown out wide and inside, and you got a back that could potentially get you 50 catches this year, and potentially 1,200 yards rushing. What's more of a weapon in your offense? This is why everyone wanted B. John Robinson. To me, DeAndre Swift could be more of a weapon in that offense than any other player outside of Jalen Hurts because of the versatility he gives you. I got to worry about 50 catches. I got to worry about 1,200 yards. And it's built around the run game. I don't think you can just put DeAndre Smith in a huddle and just go like this. Here's the ball. Go ahead, get three yards, and then take him out, put him on the sideline. I think you've got to run that offense through him a little more. Max, 10 carries? No, man. His max should be 20 carries. I'm trying to eliminate the carries for Hurts. I'm trying to, I'm trying not to have Jalen. Missed games late in year like he has in the last two years. I don't want that. I want him to actually, as the season goes on, I want his carries to increase. I want to see those numbers get better and bigger. What about Penny? Dude, what about Penny? I got to hope that he plays 12 games this year. I got to worry about his health. Every single running back that the Philadelphia Eagles have right now have issues everywhere. Two of them have health issues. And the other two have inexperience issues. I don't know. Do you have a back? Once again, the Eagles are going cheap at the running back position. And it could cost you this year, especially when you're taking on better football teams with better coaches. See, last year, you can get away with that shit. You're not going to get away with that this year. You're not getting away with that. You're going to get away with it in the NFC because the NFC is not very good. 
there's a handful of teams you have to concern yourself with. And I would say the handful of teams in the NFC, Niners, Cowboys, Seattle, Eagles, then the rest. Minnesota doesn't frighten me until they could show me they can win games. Games that matter. You know, just because you win 12 games a year doesn't mean you're a good football team. It just doesn't. Because every time I ask you to get into a situation where you have to try to win a ball game, you can't. The, the, the Minnesota Vikings are clearly this Philadelphia 76ers of the NFL. Okay? They can't win big games. Have a great regular season. Win 50-some-odd games. You get into a limelight game or you put them in a spotlight game. They melt. Every single time, they melt. Peanut goes swift as risky to me. Penny at the end of 2021 was averaging 135 yards. Peanut, once again, though, that man has averaged two starts in the last five years. You cannot count on Rashad Penny. Don't build your team around something that is not reliable. Why would you build your football team around a player who's not reliable? You wouldn't. No matter what talent, hey, no matter what talent he has, could Rashad Penny be more of a gifted player than DeAndre Swift? I don't think so, but let's just say for conversation's sake, say you think he is. The reality is you can't rely on him. This is why, again, you could have got a player like Le'Veon Bell making rookie money, put him in the backfield. Look. The Jalen Carter move is okay. I'm good with it. But what do you think is more risk? Jalen Carter or B. John Robinson being a star in the NFL? What's more of a risk? Penny might not see the field and has to make the roster too. You're going to see Penny in preseason a lot. Probably so. And I would make this comment to you too, Weapon. One thing about preseason, I think the NFL should shit can the entire preseason. They're a waste of time. And on top of that, they, 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 they just absolutely are ridiculous for the fans. You pay top dollar price for a shitty product. You don't get the full product. You, you basically are paying full price at TJ Maxx or Marshalls for something you know is discounted. It's a discounted football game. And fans have to pay full price for those tickets. And I think they hijack, and I'm talking the NFL. They hijack their fans. Even the organizations, the Eagles think it's a joke. The Eagles don't think much of preseason. Why should you? Why should You go there because you know why? You're great fans. But I think they should shit can exhibition football. Just have those controlled scrimmages. Put them on the NFL network. Put them on Fox or ESPN like they do the spring games. And go, go about it. Hell, if college football doesn't need exhibition football, why does the NFL? It's a gimmick. It's another way of hijacking their fans and doing this. I don't have to put my top product out, but yet you'll pay full price. Talk about getting ripped off. Biggest ripoff going, man. And plus, you worry about your players getting hurt. Exhibition football's a joke. It's not like it used to be where guys were actually – on those teams to make the club still. They already have the idea who the team is. They got a notion on who it is. They, they already know, man. Okay? 
So to me, again, DeAndre Swift, I would like to do this. I would totally go and say, try to run that offense through him. But see, this is why they can't. They can't run that offense through him because they're not sure he's going to be reliable and they don't spend the money on that position. The Philadelphia Eagles have a hole in their offense and it's in the backfield. As much as I like the player, I mean, you got a bunch of guys back there now. That's a shame because what you're trying to, to me, I still think that there's a great chance that Jalen misses football games this year because you didn't solidify that position. You think really you, how about this? Let me ask this question. Do you think with the current group of guys that you have enough talent in the backfield to make up for 12, to make up for 1300 yards and 11 touchdowns? Do you think you have enough talent? Do you think you have enough talent right now to make up for 1300 yards and 11 touchdowns in the running back position? I do not. That's why you have a shitload of backs. They're going to do it by committee. How could you think that? Swiss never had a thousand. Penny's always hurt. And the other two guys are not productive. How do you think, where, where, did, where did that come from? So you really think that you got a collection of backs that are in the same room with Miles Sanders? That's crazy thinking. You don't really think you have just as much talent in the backfield as you did a year ago, do you? Because again, you have the word potential. Rashad Penny was fired in Seattle. DeAndre Swift, do you know what they said about him in, in, in Detroit? Will he get better in Philly? This is what Chris Spielman told me about him. He runs into his blockers a ton of times. Watch it on film. I did last night. And you could see him running up the backside of offensive linemen. Like Panay Sewell used to have a problem with him coming up on the backside of offensive linemen. And he would get some of these guys hurt because he didn't run with vision. Wasn't that one of the criticisms that Miles Sanders had? Is that he wasn't good in traffic and that he ran to contact instead of being elusive? Okay, will he get better? He's got to be more patient. And would he be more patient with a better old line? Detroit had a great line. Third-ranked line in the NFL. Second-best offensive line was the Ravens. Number one were the Eagles. The third-best old line was in Detroit. Wasn't like they had a bad old line. That's a good group up there. Center's good. Panay Sewell's good. Guards are decent. They got a bunch of good players up there. So how is he going to improve in that offense? Hurts in the RPO? Could that help? Probably. You know what? I'll tell you this. My, my opinion, that RPO may make him have more vision and patience. Because he has to wait on Jalen Hurts' decision-making. That may actually be one of the reasons why they brought him to Philly. Because if you think about it at the RPO, the RPO is decision-making on the quarterback. And he slows that process up, doesn't he? Interesting. He, he actually could potentially be a better player in Philly because of the style of football they play. When you run a drop back and you run with a quarterback like Jared Goff, 
Jared Goff's not going to take off running unless he's under duress. Jalen Hurts is part of the system is running in the RPO. So it might make him a little bit more patient in watching plays develop. That's the one area where he's got to improve. And could a team like the Eagles that run that RPO, could that be something that could help him improve that part of his game? Look, I think he's an electric ball player. I liked, I, and, and for the record, I want to make sure I underscored. I don't, I'm not, I'm not dissing the move. I think the move is great. I think he brings another element to the game that could maybe help Jalen Hurts in the passing game, even improve even more, and make guys like Devontae Smith and Goddard even more productive. I'm not saying that, but I think you've got to be able to use him a little bit more than what a lot of people think it. Just, just giving him the ball is not going to be a, not be enough. Fly says, I'd rather have Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's going to have a lot of suitors. If you're going to pay $7 million bucks, well, then again, I'd rather pay $7 million for Dalvin Cook than $7 million for Miles Sanders. Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook is a seasoned professional. Vet says, I think Penny could turn out like Travis Etienne was injured in college and in the pros. Now he's top 10. Behind our line, Penny could have a career year. Vet, it's five years though, Vet. Vet, five years. He has two starts a year. He has 11 starts in five years. He couldn't beat a fifth-round running back out. He couldn't, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, and then... Seattle went out and drafted a guy from Michigan State because they couldn't rely on his durability. You may, you know, I mean, nobody said he doesn't have the talent. I've never said he doesn't have the talent. You just can't count on that shit. He's just not reliable. And I can't put my offense, and nor do I want to build my offense around a guy who can't be relied on. Dude, that's one of the reasons why the 49ers went out and got Trey Lance. Was it because Garoppolo wasn't winning ball games? It was because they couldn't rely on his durability. Jimmy Garoppolo's issues is not winning games. Jimmy Garoppolo's issues are being there for games. That's his issue. Okay, that's his issue. And the kid Walker turned out to be, I think he finished second in the rookie of the year voting. He had a great rookie season. Big fan of his. All right. I want to do something here, and I know this is going to turn into a shit show, and I debated whether or not to do this. I'm going to ask you a question here when it comes to building a football team and the quarterbacks that are in the game today. Every one of these guys are going to be like a NASCAR. I don't want you to look at the current teams they're on. If you had to build your football team today with one of these quarterbacks, I think Mahomes is going to be the slam dunk answer. So I'm going to take him out of this conversation. I think we'd all agree. You're going to build your football team today in the NFL. The prototypical quarterback that you'd want to have would be Patrick Mahomes. The coach is the same. The talent's the same. Okay. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, 
Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. You notice I left Kyler Murray out. I don't think he's in that group. Okay, and I'm not going to use Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old. I'm not building my team with a 40-year-old guy. Okay, so these seven guys here, who would you pick and want the prototypical quarterback to be if you were building a football team? CJ goes Burrow or Hurts for me. And look, Mahomes is the easy answer. Okay? Hurts is the system. Burrow. Burrow has Hurts men- mental toughness. Um, one quarterback that you would do to build your football team. Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, Allen. So you think Jalen Hurts could, could be on a... Or let me, let's do this then, Yell. Yell, do you think Jalen Hurts would have won that Super Bowl if he was the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs last year? I do not. With a tight end, that's it? Fair offensive line? I do not. I do not believe he could have taken that team to a Super Bowl. I I don't believe that team would have went to an AFC championship game. Of all these quarterbacks here, I would say Lamar and Hurts need a lot of people around him to help him. Because the more you do, the more help you need. Remember that. See, people are under the notion here, the more he does, the more he's responsible for the movement of the offense. Dude, the more you do, the more help you need. Okay? Tom Brady and Joe Burrow and guys like that, they don't have to have any kind of running game. They create the running game with their arm. Andy Reid effect? Andy Reid couldn't get a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb. He runs kind of an RPO kind of deal, didn't he? He wasn't going to win with him. Allen and Burrow are the same, need weapons. Really? Shit, Joe Burrow took Cincinnati with the worst offensive line in the NFL to the Super Bowl. He didn't have a full team. He had great skilled guys, I'll give you that. His skilled guys are compatible with the Eagles' skilled guys. So you're you're there, you're not off base. Okay? You're not off base. And And for the record... To Yale, what you said? Hey, I don't know. Josh Allen could go into Kansas City and win a Super Bowl. But here's why I would go. And if I had to pick one of these guys, because again, I think, I personally think these are your, would we not agree? If you're going to build your football team with one of these seven guys, these are the seven guys, right? Would you add anyone else to the mix here? Mahomes, Jackson, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, and Jalen Hurts. I got Jalen in there. I think he's one of the seven, right? McNabb was an RPO. The Eagles forced McNabb to make lemonade out of motor oil. Didn't really have the greatest skilled guys, did he? Okay, 
Okay, fair enough. But would we not agree, would you ask, add anybody else to this list? I'm not adding Kyler Murray. I'm not adding anybody else really to the list here. I'm not even going to put Russell Wilson in this list here. I wouldn't start my team with him too because he's up there in age. These are your seven guys. Fields, no way. Not in this room. Not yet. Peanut, not yet. And maybe never. But these are your seven players that because Deshaun Watson, I want to see him pick his game back up like he had it when he was in Houston. All right? I want to see him get back to the situation where he was back in Houston. So these are your seven players. If I had to pick one of these guys, man, I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. You know why I'm starting to like Trevor Lawrence over Josh Allen? He protects the football better. I'm looking here. Here's here. Here's my characteristics. I want, I want a guy who protects the ball. Here are the guys that protect the ball. Jalen hurts. Jalen's the best of all these guys. Jalen's the best of all these guys. Isn't that crazy? Give me one intangible that Jalen Hurts is better than any one of these guys. You know, you could debate the arm strength, right? Am I right, Tone? You could debate the arm strength, which guy throws the ball better, who do you think's a better progression reader, who's a bigger dude physically. You know the one thing that Hurts does better than every guy on this list, including Mahomes? He protects the football better. He protects the football. That's a, I'd rather have a guy lead the NFL in the least amount of picks than a guy who leads the NFL in touchdown passes. Wouldn't you? That's kind of what Hurts does. Smart. It's almost a hidden stat, isn't it? Jalen Hurts is not going to throw for 50 touchdowns. For that, you have to throw the ball 700 times. The Eagles don't want to throw the ball 700 times. The Eagles actually want to have what? A balanced attack. That's why DeAndre Swift comes into this conversation. That's why I brought DeAndre Swift up. Getting him more involved helps that duality of the quarterback and also gives you less turnovers and it gives you best opportunity at high percentage plays that don't result in those turnovers. Jalen Hurts, I think I think so, Yale. I think Geno Smith's a one-hit wonder. Okay? It's funny. Both Jalen and Geno have one years under their belt. But I feel better about Jalen Hurts, too. I feel like the Eagles do. I feel, I feel, I feel better about him. Geno Smith, I've seen, here, here's why I think Geno Smith is a one-year and he's a one-hit wonder. I think Geno because there's too much bad football on tape of him. We've seen too much bad tape of him. We've seen a shitload of bad tape. There's not a shitload of bad tape on Hurts since he's been a starter in Philly. Okay? Now there's better players around him. I get it. Gino, I, I, I think Geno's a one-hit wonder. Hurts seen the clean pocket and panic stepped on 
Kelsey's foot. Niner, Jalen Hurts doesn't have progression reading in the offense. He's got decision-making once again. It's different. It's a different system. Not one of these quarterbacks that I'm naming here run the kind of system. Like, personally, I don't think Patrick Mahomes could run the system that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have put together for him. And I don't think any one of these quarterbacks outside of maybe Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen could run that offense in Philadelphia. Just like I don't think Jalen Hurts could go into Kansas City and run that offense. I don't. He doesn't have the arm for it. But again, you build these offenses, in my opinion, to the skill set of the player you have. They're not, they're not paying Jalen Hurts to be Patrick Mahomes. They're paying Jalen Hurts to do what Jalen Hurts does. And see, that's the one thing that Indianapolis hasn't figured out yet. They're trying to replace Andrew Luck with certain types of athletes. And they can't. They can't replace them. When it comes to Geno, I agree. Anyone can have a solid year. When you have so much bad tape, it's hard to forget. Right. And then you realize, well, these are the things that he did that were so great last year. And then the coordinators go out. And what do they do? They go back into the bad tape archives. And they put what they did against Geno when Geno was in New York. And they put... Defensive game plans together against Geno. You know, Geno does have better talent now, I would think. I mean, DK Metcalf and better coaching in that Seattle organization. So, I mean, he got better coaching. But the coaches that he's going to take on, and especially like a a Rams with Raheem Morse as a D coordinator, Raheem's going to figure that out. I know Raheem. He'll figure Geno out. And Gino's got to, again, can you get better at 33? Probably. I think he could probably still do some wonderful things in the NFL. He did a great, he had a great year last year. Top five when it came to MVP. Top five. This is, this is why I said this the last couple days here about Jalen Hurts. I want to show you this here one more time here, this list of quarterbacks. Gino is in the magnificent seven now. Do you understand how far he's come and how hard this is for me? I don't know if I've ever seen a player skyrocket up a list this fast. Last year, May 16th, none of us were talking like this. Nobody in here. He had a mediocre first year starting, which is not uncommon. Look at Trevor Lawrence's first year. He had to get over shitty coaching, albeit. I get it. But he's now in... These are the seven players you'd start a franchise with. Okay? I don't know about this. By the way, the group that got drafted this year, I don't think they're very good. I think the guy in I think the guy in Carolina is the best. I think the rest of them I'm sorry, man, but I don't have the high grades. I don't think this is a very good quarterback class. I think it is better than the one that was in the previous year. And I think it's a step up, but I don't think it's great. Like when I look, when I look at Anthony Richardson, I don't think he's a great talent. I think he's a great athlete. What does that mean? But to me, Justin Fields has a better shot at being a star in this league than Anthony Richardson. So you think he's really going to improve in the NFL? Maybe better coaching because Josh Allen did. Josh Allen improved with better coaching with the Bills. 
He got shitty coaching in high school and he got shitty coaching in college. He got better. Maybe he gets better too with Shane Steichen. Shane put an offense together for Jalen. It gave them the ability to be able to win games putting a system together. And that's pretty much why Shane... See, I think that thing is going to be a bust or I think that thing is going to blow up and it's going to be great. Okay? Steichen is no Dable. Yeah, but the difference, J.M., that he has done is that he's not going to... The one thing Shane Steichen does that I agree with John McMullen here. See, I, don't, I disagree with John. I don't think he's a play-calling guy because RPO is decision-making. Got nothing to do with the play-caller. But he's got a lot to do with who designed the system. Now, if you want to tell me that you think Shane Steichen is a great system designer... He learned that from Frank Reich. Absolutely, and I would agree with that. But to sit there and say that he called magnificent games is not true. The decision-making that Jalen Hurts had and did, in my opinion, it all came down to his decision-making in-game, in the moment. But the one thing Shane did do, he customized a system for that player's skill set. He's not going to put a Tom Brady offense. The old school, we all know this. The old school, this is why you don't see the like the um, Ernie Zampezis or the North Turners anymore as the offensive coordinators. This is why, because you know why? They had a they had a system. They had a system like this. And if that player's skill did not fit the system, the player was hosed. That's why you had more failure with quarterbacks. You understand that that's why you're seeing a little more success now with quarterbacks coming into the NFL than prior, because you know why a coach would have a system in. And if you couldn't run, that's why John Gruden struggles with quarterbacks. John Gruden, the game has passed him by. He's not a good coach. John Gruden has a system and most players can't pick the system up. John Gruden makes the player fit his system most good coordinators today look at the player and come up with a system that fits them that's why you're seeing a lot of young guys you shake your head at and go who the fuck's this guy who's Shane Steichen who's Kevin Stefanski who's who's who are these dudes I've never seen these guys where'd they come from that's because they know how to build an offensive game plan that's what the Eagles have done. And it's funny because the Eagles now, Jalen Hurts is the Philadelphia Eagle offense. If Jalen Hurts got hurt, you'd have to build an entirely new offense or at least your approach. That's why when they put Mitchell in last year, it was a train wreck. It was a complete train wreck. Hurts isn't, Who's Jonathan Gannon? <laughs> hey, Jonathan Gannon, I'm going to get to him here in the second hour here. Don't forget, Merrill Reese is going to join us also at 4.30 Eastern time. I haven't answered my own question here yet. Tone, who would you pick? Mahomes? Uh, not Mahomes. Mahomes, easy one. Lamar, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Hurts. Guy who does not turn the ball over, Jalen. Who's the guy with the best arm of that group? 
it's probably Josh Allen. Who's the guy that is the best leader? It's probably Joe Burrow. Who's the guy that's the most athletic of all these guys? It's probably Lamar. Who's the guy that has all of those intangibles in some form or fashion? You know, I'll tell you this. What's interesting here, when you make that comment with these seven guys, I think these are the seven guys, by the way. Is Jalen have the best arm? No. But he's getting better. Is Jalen one of the better athletes? Yeah. Does Jalen have all the intangibles? Yeah. Does he see the game well? Yeah. Is his decision-making great? Yeah. Watch this with Josh Allen. Is Josh Allen's decision-making great? No. Is he a good field leader? I don't know. Does he have a great arm? Absolutely. Is he an athlete? Absolutely. But you see, there's something missing there, isn't there? Joe Burrow, is he a great athlete? I don't think so. Is he a good field leader? Yeah. Does he have the intangibles? Yeah. Does he have a big arm? It's good. Like Jalen. It's good arm. Above average. Herbert, is he a good decision maker? No. Does he force footballs into double coverage and sometimes triple coverage? Yeah. Does he lose games in critical moments? Yeah. Is he an athlete? No. Where I'm going here is that Jalen kind of has a little bit of everything when it comes to these other seven guys or six guys, right? So he may not have the best arm, but it's above average. He may not be the best athlete, but he's probably second, third. Is he a good decision maker? Shit, man. He's probably the best next to Mahomes. Does he turn the ball over? No. So what what we're saying here, I guess, Tone, is what we're all, everyone, and I I get it. I get it, too. But am I right when I say this? Jalen may not be the best arm. He may not be the most athletic but he's got a little bit of everything. Like B.B. King says, looks like Jalen Hurts is kind of like taking a little bit of everything, put it in a pot, and turn it into the Jalen Hurts soup. And this is what you get. A $255 million guy you feel comfortable moving forward with because he has every single intangible that every one of these other guys have. And every one of these other guys don't have all of them and don't connect all the dots that Jalen does. Like, look at Mahomes even. Is Mahomes a great athlete? Yes. Is Mahomes a good decision maker? I think he gets a lot of help from Andy. Because I think Andy reels him in. I think I think Andy reels him in. Then go with Jalen. Nobody's stopping the rugby scrum. <laughs> Not till they make it illegal, weapon. <laughs> Not till they make it illegal. It's funny, you know, a year ago this time, 
I would have fought you guys tooth and nail. I would have taken Josh Allen over Jalen Hurts. Do I think he has a better arm than Allen? Absolutely not. Is he, a, is he bigger? No. Is he more dirt? He played all 17 games last year and won 14 games. So for me, but then there's winning and not making stupid mistakes, forcing footballs in the second half, double coverage. How can you not see that? Right? How could you not see that? Hurts ain't making that play. That's the one thing that Jalen will do. There may not be a shitload of spectacular throws down the field, but you know what you're not going to see? The spectacular turnover like you did in the Super Bowl. I think that's what kind of shocked us all is that when that scoop and score happened against Philly, because nobody had seen it all year. He had protected the football so well all year, and that thing just got magnified more because you were like, holy shit. That play was like, it, it, it was a one of. That's why, because you don't see that with him. Okay? And that's why I say this. That could happen to anybody. Yale goes, Mahomes improvs a lot. He does. And I think that's why Andy has to reel him in sometimes. And you know what else, too? I think Mahomes gets bored throwing those intermediate passes. And he's not patient enough. I think Hurts is patient. You know, it's funny, man. Jalen, Jalen belongs in this list. I would never have said that. Never in a million years would I have said that he belongs in that conversation. Never. No way would I have said that. I think that he has improved so much so. Okay? He's improved so much. All right. I want to talk a little bit about Howie and how he's attacked this offseason. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a time out here. Please hit the like button. Don't forget at the bottom of the hour. Our friend Merrill Reese will join us. Hit the like button. Hour two. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank. 
the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Two, appreciate y'all coming aboard. Thank you very much for stepping in with us. Please hit the like button. Merrill Reese, bottom of the hour. He will join us. We were going to catch up with him last week when the schedule dropped, but he was doing a charity event, so he's happy to jump aboard with us today, so we'll get him at the bottom of the hour here. Before I get into Howie Roseman here a little bit, one thing I want to say, you know, I got asked this question last night. NBA playoffs, you know, it's um, I think tonight is what? Western Conference, it's Lakers and Nuggets. And I got asked this question because, you know, it's got to be one of the most tiring conversations of all time. Someone asked me, it was Glenn Rice actually? Glenn and I, you know, you guys, you guys remember Glenn Rice played with the Lakers? And Glenn does a show down in South Florida. And I'm going to be going on it, I think, later in the week. And Glenn asked me a question. He's like, Sills. Do you, how do you look at the debate between LeBron and Jordan? And I was asked the question, okay? And I told him, I said, I think the journey matters. I think the journey matters. See, I like what Giannis is doing in Milwaukee. I think if you're at a place, you start an assignment, you try to deliver a championship for that respected city. You don't pack your bags up and go to loaded teams. It's become fashionable. And, and, and again, there's a part of me that goes like this. So, Sills, would you sit in a place like Dominique Wilkins that destroyed Dominique's chances of winning an NBA title and they didn't do enough to win a championship? You think that's fair to Dominique, that he had to stay in Atlanta all those years, that he didn't get an opportunity to go somewhere else to try to win an NBA title? It's a great conversation to that. Should LeBron stay in places that organizations don't want to win? There's truth to that because in today's sports world, athletes have way more say in the direction of their careers because of the amount of money and the finances. Like Jalen Hurts getting that, Jalen Hurts getting that no trade is part of the whole story for him and that he is control of his own destiny. Like, you can't send him to a shitty team. You know what I mean? Like, you can't send Jalen somewhere just because you want to get draft picks and because you want to make the Eagles better. Jalen's got kind of control of his own destiny. And they gave him the money and they gave him that ability, which I think is great for both parties. 
So there's a part of me when I had this conversation with Glenn Rice, I'm like, you know, man, I, I mean, I, the, I, I actually see it, but to me, Jordan playing in Chicago all them years and getting his ass kicked the way he did early in his career, that was the environment and landscape he played in. Chicago hadn't done shit, and Jordan delivered an NBA title, multiple. Two three-peats. Don't you think his journey's better than LeBron's? Now, I would say this to you, who's had a bigger impact on the game. I don't know if you think it's in a good light or bad light. Probably LeBron, because he's made today's athlete mobile. Athletes like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, years ago, you weren't moving around like this. It's because of him. You see, probably sports fans don't dig that. But Joel Embiid's not going to finish his career in Philadelphia. He's going to go somewhere, too, like Anthony Davis did. Like Wolf did. Like Shaq did. Shaq didn't stay in one place. Shaq went to places, too, and won NBA titles. Actually, took three teams to finals. So there, there's a great – I think the debate is not about the ability. I think the debate is more about the journey and how everyone got to that particular point. Like, if LeBron James wins another NBA championship, and he has five, and it puts him in a conversation where Kobe is, with five and Jordan's got six. Nobody in the modern era has more than Michael Jordan. Okay. And I say the modern era, I mean like the seventies and up. Nobody has more. Well, I think that maybe Jabbar has five or maybe Jabbar has six. So I think Kareem might have six. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Duncan has five. And I'm talking about centerpieces on teams. So I thought it was a really interesting debate. And again, I, I, I quantified it by saying, I don't think it's got to do with ability because LeBron could play all five spots. Jordan can't. But the journey matters to me. So I don't look at it like that. There's no question Michael Jordan brought more TV viewers. Ratings are up though. I think it's because of the cities that have brought the ratings back to the NBA. And you're not doing as much politics. You're not telling me who to vote for. You're not taking knees. You're not doing any of that dumb shit. It is dumb. Stupid. Do what Ali did. You want to protest? Do it on your own time. Don't do it on my time. I'm there to watch a sporting event. (laughs) Okay? I don't give a shit about your politics, kid. I care you make threes, hit a baseball. That's why I come to your store. Not, not to be fed Italian food going to a Chinese restaurant. That's not why I go there. Sills, Jordan or Jabbar? Always a great conversation for me. Um, I say, okay, well, let me ask you this, Cosmo. With 15 seconds left in a game, do you want a Jordan 30-footer or 25-footer? Or do you want a Kareem Skyhook on the box? What's a higher percentage shot to win a game? Kareem? Or Jordan, who would you want with one minute left in the game if you had to score one bucket? Jordan or Jabbar? I think it's Kareem. It's a higher percentage outside shot. Jabbar's on the box. Common sense tells you Kareem has a better chance of making it. I mean, 
So, so Jeremiah, you'd rather have a 25-footer versus a 5-footer for the title. Okay. That's a lower percentage shot. This is what we're talking about here with Jalen and how Jalen plays high percentage football, which means low percentage turnovers. Let me get into Howie here. Hey, by the way, real quick also on Fletcher. Um, Fletcher Cox is going to be so important this year. He is going to be so important to that football team. In the development of Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, he, he, I think that Fletcher Cox has a chance to solidify himself as one of the best teammates in Eagle history. You're going to have two young, once the last time we've seen so much youth at defensive tackle in Philly. When's the last time you saw this much youth? When Corey Simon was playing? When's the last time you saw this youth? Two defensive tackles you've taken in back-to-back drafts, 20 and 21 years of age. You got to have the youngest group in the, in the entire league. Okay? You, you got to have it. And then you got a Wiley veteran in there who is a potential Hall of Fame candidate. Fletcher's going to be so important. Tracy Rocker is going to be so important. Would you bring Adamic and Sue back? See what Sue said? I'm not going to training camp. Would you bring him back in September? Adamic and Sue doesn't need training camp or OTAs or um, veteran mini camps. He doesn't need those things. You could bring his ass in. In September, and you're good with it. Shit, you brought him in last year halfway through, and he was great. Do you need a little bit more experience to help these young guys out? Brandon Graham's going to be in the conversation. Brandon Graham's more of an edge guy. He's going to be dealing more with, I think, with Nolan Smith. Okay? I think he's going to be dealing with Nolan Smith more. Fletcher's going to be dealing with two dudes. One has a problem with his eating. The other guy has a problem, period. That's what they say. Fletcher's going to have to kind of be a babysitter. I wonder if the organization has told him that. Or if Fletcher already knows that. Probably the $10 million already makes him know that. I'm going to bring this up with Merrill. Because, you know, the kind of guy Fletcher is, Fletcher Cox, in my opinion, it's just... But what Howie has done so much in the offseason here, this is another one of those T's being crossed and the I's being dotted and how the $10 million makes sense. $10 million for Fletcher Cox. Tone, I told Tone this before. I'm not paying that guy $10 million. Now, shit, he's underpaid. He's underpaid almost because he's got quite a task at hand. You know, he's got to play a lot of snaps. He's got to show these guys the ropes. He's got to be open to having people. Get this. You know what Fletcher Cox has to be this year, which is so sacrilegious in an NFL locker room. He's got to be open to those guys taking his job. Do you know how crazy that is? You don't help the guy behind you because you're worried about making your money. But you have a guy now that the organization is paying you $10 million. The organization is hoping that those two young guys beat him out. What a, 
What a great environment to be in if you're Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and you're Jordan Davis. Okay? That is a great environment. It's the, it's the passing of the baton. It's, 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 it's creating the environment that you guys talk about. Kyle says that Sue said that Hurts is the toughest or hardest quarterback he is forced in the league. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I'd like to have a Dominican Sue back. I think Linville Joseph really had a good year last year stopping the run. But I think Sue could bring a lot to the table, especially with a guy like because if you think about it, the best defensive tackle at that size to come out of college with Jalen Carter's type of potential has been Adami Katsu when he came out of Nebraska. Okay? It's like Adami Katsu. So to me, I really I I I I think he is going to be so instrumental in how important it's going to be when it comes to putting that football team together. All right. Before we get Merrill Reese on, he's at the bottom of the hour here. I also want to throw this out to you too, because I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up with Merrill there about Fletcher Cox here. So who do you, who do we give credit to? Who would you give credit to, to fixing Hassan Reddick? Two teams failed. Two teams failed, Arizona, Carolina. Who gets credit for figuring out the Rubik's Cube? Is it Jonathan Gannon? Is it Sirianni? Is it Howie? Fixing Hassan Reddick? Was he broken in the first place? Yeah. Three different teams in three different years? Since when do pass rushers get released? Don't you find that Tanner to be a problem? He's not a good tackler, and he can't cover. He's not a complete ball player. What do you mean, fixed? When it comes to putting people on the ground... And tackling someone, he's not high on my list. He's not high on my list, my friend. And covering linebackers or covering tight ends and backs out of the backfield, he's terrible at it. Okay? He's terrible at it. And the Eagles were his third team in three years. You tell me if you think there's a problem. Did the field affect the pass rush or just beat? Maybe the shoes they wore could have been. I've worn shitty shoes before on fields. But didn't they play on that same field earlier? Is he, right? Well, wait a minute. That was supposedly was a new surface, right? Compared to what they had earlier in the year. Tanner, thank you. I, Taylor, I'm not hollering. I'm just saying, you know, it, it was his third team in three years. Personally now, Tanner... I look at the other two teams going, now I know why Arizona and Carolina suck. Okay, now I know why Carolina and Arizona suck because they couldn't figure out how to use good players. So to me, I think that narrative has completely changed. Izzy, 
I hate using off ramps like that, but look, man, I've gone, I've gone to a football field before, like Legion Field. I went to Legion Field and the the some of the places back in the day they used to have astroturf, and it was so slippery with some of the shoes. I just wore sneakers one day. I had the best footing on the planet compared to everybody else on my team. Everyone else was slipping. So uh, footwear has a lot to do with that. They had played on a surface earlier in the year in Arizona. I don't think it was the same. I thought it was a terrible field. It reminded me a little bit of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got one of the worst fields on the planet. And shoes do matter. Um, I, I, I thought that... Kansas City didn't have a problem with it. They both play on the same field. So um, I would say that, again, it could have been an equipment issue that could have um, helped them more if they had better footing. Probably. I didn't think the field was uh, the best light for the National Football League, to say the least. Okay? Well, that's on the old coaches for not figuring out Reddick's strength and how to use them. I just said that. I just said that. That's correct. Organizationally. But to me, I give Howie credit. I don't give Jonathan Gannon credit. I give Howie credit. Because how did Howie turn him into the defensive candidate for the defensive player of the year this year? You know how he did it? He brought two D tackles in. They stopped the run. Once they started doing a better job of stopping the run, what happened? His numbers started to increase and his impact on the game began to increase more. That's why it's going to be so important to have Hassan Reddick again out there on the perimeter, and it's going to be so important to make sure your defensive tackles this year do just as effective of a job. <laughs> if they don't do the job that they did last year, Reddick will not have the same year. <laughs> they won't. They'll just run the ball on the Eagles. Teams are going to attack. The Philadelphia Eagles, in the early part of the season, up the middle. They're going to attack them on the middle because your linebacking core, your safeties, and they're going to attack you with tight ends. If you're Sean Desai and you're Matt Patricia, I'd be expecting teams to run the ball on me. Last two years they have. This past season, they did a better job on first down. The year before that, they were terrible. One of the worst first down teams going. So to me, I think personally, it's going to be a very it's it's going to be interesting to see how teams attack the Eagle defense early on when it comes to the first part of the season because of the new faces that are in the room. Um, make no mistake about it. The Eagles now have one of the tougher schedules, if not the toughest schedule, and they do have the toughest schedule in the National Football League. I said this last week. This is really going to define, I think, Jalen Hurts and how people look at this and how they look at him even more so because he's going against some of the elite guys and coaches. Let's bring our friend in. Speaking of elite, he is Hi. Merrill Reese. He joins us now. Merrill, appreciate you coming aboard. How's your off time going? Good. A lot of golf, golf, and golf. <laughs> so like let me what, what's a good round for Merrill Reese getting around? What what's a good loop around the golf course for Merrill? A good loop would be somewhere between 80 and 85. Oh yeah. So Merrill wins some money out there sometimes. 
Like three dollars. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not high stakes, Mike Quick. I'm 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 a dollar on the front, a dollar on the back, and a dollar overall. <laughs> Very good, man. I like those three dollar Nassau's. All right, Merrill. Schedule drop last week. Um Eagles are gonna have the toughest schedule in the National Football League. I I made this comment. They may not win the same amount of games as they did a year ago, but they may have a better football team this year because sometimes the records don't indicate how good you can be, especially when you've got the kind of lineup of teams that you're going to be playing against. Is that a fair comment? It's a fair comment, but one that I don't necessarily buy. I probably pay less uh, attention to the schedule than 90% of the people you know. I never, and I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I never put the schedule down and go W, W, oh, this looks like an L, this likes a W. I mean, the Inquirer and their fine writers, the day after the schedule came out, put the whole schedule down and each writer wrote a synopsis, a synopsis of each game. Dan, we don't know who that team is going to be when we play them. We don't even know we don't even know the names on those teams, what the personnel is compared with last season. There are dramatic changes every single year. We don't really know who the quarterback is going to be of the 49ers, for example. We don't know who's going to be healthy in the 15th game of the season for the Eagles or for their opponents. I mean, we can look at a stretch, that, that stretch in the middle of the season with Kansas City and some of those tough teams, and on paper – on paper, it looks very, very foreboding. But we don't know. What are they? You might know better than I. What is there an average of between 16 and 22 new players on every team every year? That's, a, that's about the turnover rate um, for the 1,400 players that are in the NFL, especially, again, as we get even closer to June. You know, with June 1 coming up with the uh, rosters being set at 90 going into camp for July, I mean, Merrill, you're going to see teams that are going to cut a bunch of players because of money. Yeah. So your roster's still going to turn over here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And and then again, the the injury situation. I mean, the Eagles added two very exciting running backs in the offseason, uh, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny. But these are guys who history tells us miss quite a few games with injuries. You know, how, how are they going to be at various points of the season? I mean, Jalen Hurts, to me, I don't I don't have to be told about Jalen Hurts. To me, he showed who he is, what he is, how dedicated he is, how talented he is, how he even went back to Oklahoma over the weekend and was shown getting his cap and ground, a gown and his master's degree. He's everything you want. He has nothing to prove, although he's going to prove something every single week. Because that's Jalen Hurts. He never says, I am this. He says, this is where I want to be. And that's better every single day. But knowing all of that, do we know how his health is going to be? He could be the most durable quarterback. in the. Look how long Peyton Manning went on without missing a game. 
And then suddenly he had bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game Game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. A neck injury and missed the season. So, we, you know, Brady, Brady had great health, but he missed the whole season with a torn ACL. But we don't know. We don't know these things. So to me, this is a good Eagles team. They are a very good Eagles team, and they should be able to win at least 12 games if you want to just based on how good they are. Can they win more? Yeah. But give me a team that let's say is on paper, all things being equal, just looking at them on paper against their opponents on paper. You take a team that is 10 and 7. If they have the wrong three injuries at the wrong part of the season, they could, with the snap of a finger, find themselves 7 and 10. And that's why the schedule to me only tells me how many times I'm going to have to do a night game on the road and come home <laughs> 6 o'clock in the morning exhausted. Or and also how many times that you're going to have to go to that shit box in D.C., just thought I'd throw that in there too. Well, that's, that, that, that's only once. The dump. <laughs> Fair but, enough. You, so, you do you think you know this roster is as good as last the, year's roster? Dan, Dan, don't take any offense to this. I, I, I absolutely hate Hard Rock Stadium, and I do too. But you know why? Because they put us. It's so far the, away. We're in the corner of an end zone, yep. and with the naked eye a third of the field is blocked from our vision. So I, I don't know why I go down there, but I'm calling the game off a TV monitor. I, 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 I refuse. They, the University of Miami invites me every year to go to that place. But see, I like the old lady. I was an Orange Bowl man. I played my career at the Orange Bowl. Sure. And I'm sure you called a few games at I, the I Orange did, Bowl. Yes, yes. And so to me, it was crickety. It was old. But I'll tell you what, between the Canes and the Dolphins back in those days when I played, I don't ever remember us losing weekends. And it was just really one of the great iconic stadiums, and I enjoyed yeah. really playing at the Orange well, Bowl. And that's, that's why my favorite stadium to this day is Lambeau Field. Because, number one, we can see. And, number two, it's you, you look down and you just, you just picture Lombardi with the frost coming out of his nose, you know. You, you just, you, it, it's so special. And I also, aside, aside from the link, which is quite good, I also love MetLife Stadium, the Giants and Jets Stadium, because we have the best view in the world. And they were smart enough to construct scoreboards right behind the benches so that you don't have to look around every two minutes to see what the, the down and distance and the time. You just look down in the field and it's in your vision. 
And it's a great stadium for the fans. Great stadium. Now, I haven't been at the stadium in Los Angeles, but I have to also tell you that I don't really love, and no matter how glamorous and beautiful they are, I, there's, there's no indoor stadium that I love because football to me will always be an outdoor game. If you want to do it indoors, play arena football. Yeah. I just, I just love. I not, some of them are beautiful, but I, I love to play in the elements. Once upon a time, we were, we were in Washington uh, years ago. They put us in a stadium uh, where, where they closed the window. The window wasn't removable, and it's not removable in Kansas City, anyhow. And I, I said in Washington that day, I said to Mike, and it was a bad day. I said, Mike. Was it RFK? No, this was this was at RFK. We were a million miles in the air, <laughs> sitting on little school seats like you have in the luncheonette where they pull out. Not, you should have seen Stan Walters try to sit on one of those seats. The whole table went backwards. But, <laughs> but, but, but Mike Quick is not Stan Walters. So I said, I hate being behind glass. I want to, I want to, I want to feel the game, and you can't feel the game. So Mike said. This was very early in his first year as, a, as an analyst. He said, you want to feel the game? Go down there and let them hit you. I, that's, that's great. By the end of the game, Mike said, I felt as if I were in a library. I hate this. And now they, then they moved us down in the Daniel Snyder era, and we're in, the, we're in the corner of the end zone, and we're guessing what happens on the other side of the 50-yard line. And Mike, and that's bad. But at least it's open. I would choose open every day over enclosed, and I can't stand. Do you like? No, 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 no. Triple South cows, triple South cows, and figure skating and pair skating is for inside, not football. Do you like? I like AT and T Stadium in Dallas when they open the roof. The scoreboard gets in the way of the fans on the other side. It hangs down too far, Merrill. And I told. I even told um, Stephen that um, a, a couple of years ago. I'm like, the, the the view is not as good. It's a better stadium, obviously, than than what the um, old Texas Stadium was that I played in. But I just it, it, the views aren't always the best in that Texas and AT and T. Well, I originally originally at the Texas Stadium, we were down on that middle level. Yeah, great views. Then they zip, they took us up to the roof, but. <laughs> We were still outside and we could still see. So it wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. But the but the the new AT&T Stadium, when the roof is open, it's okay. But you talk about that that television, the, the scoreboard. Uh, the scoreboard. Let me tell you something I learned. When they are across the uh, opposite 40, I am looking at that scoreboard. I'm watching television because we are far in the corner of the end zone and Brad is and Babe Laufenberg, Brad Sham, Babe Laufenberg, yeah. there to the left of us. They're even further into the end zone. And it was Brad who gave me the idea. He said, when they go past the 50 or the 40, start watching the board, just watching the board, because there's no way the human eye can uh, follow it that way. I I have binoculars, but I I cannot follow a passing play with the binoculars. You know, I, I, I they'll come up when there's a ball fumbled. They'll come up on a goal line stand. But you don't want to try and be a television cameraman. That's not your job. Well, you got to get Philly to get them binoculars working for you there a little better. 
I'm t- but but the, we're in a good place at Lincoln Financial Field, and so I might say is the visiting broadcast. I used to say to the to I used to say to the Eagles, Washington gives us such a bad view when their announcers come. Instead of putting them in that nice view, put them in the men's room. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to tell you a quick story about Lambeau. So my first time going there. Now my first time playing the Packers, believe it or not. We used to play in Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, and and, and yeah, like, Merrill, I had never been on the same sideline like in my life because this is where like the Braves played. They played at Milwaukee County. Actually, I have it right here. And, and, and I still have a program. And this is the program, Buccaneers, Milwaukee. And here, here it is right here, County Stadium. County Stadium. And so I'm running off the field. And James Lofton's like, down there, kid. And I'm going like, what do you mean, down? And you look around. You don't know where the hell you are. I played in a ballpark. And so that confused me because they like to, they used to go. like to play a game. They don't do that, obviously, any longer. Then I went to Lambeau. My uncle goes like this to me. He goes, hey, get the tour. I go, Lombardi put those coils in himself. I go, what? He goes, yeah, there's an old coil system that's in the tunnel when you walk out. You could see it. Lombardi did this himself. And back in the day, Merrill, the steam used to come off the ground because it was so it was so cold out. It was like two degrees whenever you played them. Because we played in the old central division. And so the Bucks would go up and play them up there sometimes. And man, the steam would come off and the players yeah. you could see them just laying on the field because it was so warm. And Vince actually put the coils in himself with his guys. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I I am still angry at Arizona, and the reason I'm angry at Arizona is the thing I I didn't feel badly about was they opened the roof for the game, that for the Super Bowl. That was that was great. That made it a much better stadium. And we were the home team, so we had home radio, so we were at least outside the twenty. So that was great. But to this day, yeah, I I gave a a, a speech this morning up where my station that I own is in Levittown to the Rotary Club. And the one thing they said to me was, Merle, were you were you absolutely upset about the condition of that field where players couldn't get traction? Like that Pittsburgh. Race for a Super Bowl game to be played on a field in that kind of condition, that that is inexcusable to me. Absolutely. It looked like Pittsburgh's uh, surface and that's traditionally one of the worst surfaces in the National Football League. You mentioned something, Merrill, about Jalen. And you mentioned, you know, I think this is a small thing, but I think it's a big thing. You know, when you go, how about Hertz going back and getting his degree? You know, a lot yeah. of people, I think, broached over that. But I think it's a prime example of him doing something that he's done his entire career. That is start something to finish it. Yeah. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to finish being – on the team in Alabama. Then he went to Oklahoma. There's nothing that he starts that there's an open end to. And I think that that is something that has built the character of what you're seeing now in his development as a leader of the Eagles. There is a Lombardi trophy in his future and that of the Eagles. I don't know. It'll be this year, next year, but in, in Jalen Hurts's Hurts's tenure, there will be a Lombardi trophy arriving here. I, I feel Really confident about that. I mean, you never really know, but I, 
this guy is the leader that you dream about having and and he will carry them there of course you have to have the the lines and everything else but but he to me is he's the best best quarterback in the nfc for sure right now Merrill, do you have any concerns on what you have witnessed so far since Jalen Carter has become a Philadelphia Eagle? And how much responsibility do you think the Eagles will put on him when it comes to putting guardrails on him? Do you think they are going to? Because, again, if you look at John Morant or you look at some of the athletes we just get through talking about, a guy like Hertz who just embodies what leadership is all about, do you think the Eagles are going to – I'll say this kindly, put guardrails more so on him until he earns his stripes and veterans understand him more? Do you think they're just letting him be Jalen Carter right now? Well, a little of both. I don't think they're putting guardrails around him. They're not going to keep him, you know, surrounded by security people. But I think they're going to surround him with some very good teammates, some of whom he knows quite well, like Nolan Smith and the Kobe Dean. I mean, these... And, and, you know, Jordan Davis is a very mild-mannered but nice, nice, upstanding person. There's a lot of people that he already knows. And I think, I think they're going to show him. And I think and I pray that this guy realizes that he escaped disaster. I mean, aside from what he created, he could have been the one who was killed. He could have lost his life. And if things had gone in another direction... He may have cost himself millions of dollars. He could have dropped into the fourth round because of that incident. So he's lucky that a team stepped up and took him in the top 10 and that he's that kind of talent. And, and I only hope that he realizes that he dodged, he dodged a bullet. He really did. Or else he could have been the next Henry Ruggs. Absolutely. And you know, Maybe this is one of the reasons, you know, I thought about the money at first, Merrill, that they gave Fletcher Cox. I'm like, man, older guy, 10 million bucks. But now here's Howie again, crossing T's, dotting I's. You couldn't have a better leader, example of how to be a pro, how to play the position. It's funny, man. I think the Eagles are hoping that Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter beat him out because this is the passing of the baton. I yeah. think Fletcher Cox is so important to that group um, and to the development of that group this year. What an asset having him there teaching these young guys how to play the position. Well, may I, may I throw out another name? When people say to me, who's your favorite Eagle of all time? That's tough. That's a tough thing to, to answer, honestly, Dan, because there, there have been so many that I have had wonderful relationships with. And, uh, I, I, but I will say this. There is nobody that I like more. There are people who I loved, like Reggie. But there's nobody that I love more than Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham is such an outstanding human being, such a team guy, never complains. Every time I meet Brandon Graham in the hall, which is quite often, my day just gets better. That's, that's Brandon Graham. My wife goes to the games. She wears her number 55 to Cindy. You know, you're the best. Sign Brandon Graham. So he's he's so special. Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. Someone asked me at my speech this morning, is Jason Kelsey as great a guy as he appears to be? And I had a one-word answer. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. 
And you go through that locker room, you won't find better guys. I, I am sad when I see somebody like TJ Edwards leave. And I understand why he left and why he's getting big bucks and understand what the Eagles had to do under the salary cap. But what a great young man, as is Boston Scott. Phenomenal. Miles Sanders. You go on and on because we know all about Hurts. You go all you go through that locker room. So I, I don't mean to omit anybody, but throughout that locker room, you, you say to me, point to a point to a really great guy. And you can put a blindfold on me and play pin the tail on the donkey and have me point. And I'm pointing at a great guy. That it it sounds cliche-ish, but that's what I think of this team. How about this, Merrill? Two last questions for you. Who was a closer-knit group? The Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Eagles, or this group that you're covering now? Because it just seems that the chemistry that these guys have, it's really one of the best chemistries in all the National Football League. And I mean that when I call environment chemistry. Are there similarities between the two? I think you could say that in in terms of the chemistry. But but the the Reggie, Jerome, Clyde, Mike Golick, Mike Pitts, that that group stayed together for a long time. Now this offensive line is is getting that because now you have Mylotta and you have Landon Dickerson and you have Jason Kelsey. And now we'll see what they do with right guard. Could be a rookie, um, but we'll see. Um, or it, it could be somebody like Jack Driscoll or Cam Jurgens moves over there. We'll see. But but these lines staying together and the defensive front is staying together. Um, now, we hope that we're going to see uh, Jerome, uh, Jerome Davis come back. Uh, Davis come back. This Jordan Davis come back and play a much larger role. So you have Davis back there and you, you know you're going to get snaps for Jalen Carter. That's going to be great, too. So it, it will change. But when you talk about chemistry, this team has it. That team certainly had it. But in this day and age, in this day and age, there's more player movement every year. I don't absolutely. think it was salary cap back then. Was there? Absolutely. So hey, finally here, Merrill, I, I've just been in, amazed by what Howie Roseman has done in this offseason. It's been spectacular has he been the better general manager that you've seen since you've been in the organization and that includes guys like joe banner and them dudes i mean do you think that he has set himself apart because like you just mentioned too those guys didn't have to deal with salary cap this guy's got him he's got they've got to read and i say this about jimmy johnson you know jimmy when he built the cowboys back in the 90s there was no salary cap around then so jimmy could compile talent and put all that talent on the team, there wasn't the turnover that you see. I think it's a monumental task every year for these GMs to keep the train rolling. Very tough. And what you have. You're right. right. Howie has done a great job. He's done a great job. He's made his mistakes. He he drafted. He didn't take Jake, you know, Jefferson. Jefferson. You know, that was a mistake. There's no doubt about that. And, but, you know. You make it up with Mulata, though, in the seventh. (laughs) Well, give some credit to Give some credit to the best offensive line coach in the National Football League, Jeff Statland, who identified that talent, who scouted that talent. He's, you know, he, if you can't play for Statland and improve, boy, you can't play for anybody. I've been around a lot of coaches in the past 103 seasons. And I will tell you, 
Stout is the best offensive line coach I've ever been around. Merrill, I'll say this to you in closing. Jimmy Johnson, who was on a couple weeks ago, said this. He goes, I'll take a great D lineman over a D line coach any day. But he goes, you give me the offensive line coach. He goes, the most important guy in my offensive staff or in my coaching staff is my old line coach. The guy, Bill Callahan in Cleveland and the one in Philly are the two best guys that are in the National Football League. And he goes, those guys are worth their price when it comes to the salaries you pay. And I don't think there's any coincidence with the turnover. The only guy that really survived, Merrill, was Stoutland. Yeah, yeah. And, well, also keep in mind that Stoutland loves what he's doing here. And I I don't have any facts and figures, but I think he is being paid quite well <laughs> because if, there's no doubt in my mind that if Stout wanted to leave and become a head coach, that opportunity would have been there because he's got the personality. He coached uh, as a head coach for a while in Miami, and everybody loves him. He is demanding. He's, at least, he's the best. He's the best. But, you know, there are other great coaches. And, uh, but, and, and I, you know, I understand what Jimmy Johnson is talking about because if you talk about the defensive line coach, and there are great ones. Tracy Rocker is terrific. Absolutely. I'm not minimizing his job. You would have to – I think you're going to agree with this. You get a great group of defensive linemen, good defensive tackle coming in as a rookie. You say, there's the quarterback, kill, and let those pure instincts take over. Offensive line is so much technique and so much thinking involved and stunts and everything else. I think, I think it's a more difficult position – to acclimate yourself to in the NFL. Can I tell you why, Merrill? Here's why I think it's harder to play O-line, because you have to do it as a unit, because if you think about it, five guys have to be in sequence for one play. Yes. As a defensive guy, you all four guys up front, your front four, three guys can get blocked. One guy get around to play, make a play in the backfield, play's done. Yeah. When you're an offensive lineman, all guys have to be working, slipping and scooping and doing all the things. It's, it's, break down. It's, more, it's, more it's a group. It is more technical. Hit them long, Merrill. I appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you so much. Jesus, man, I'll never be on the links with you. Well, wait, 82s, I, 81s. I, I, I didn't say I'm long. I'm very, very straight, but I can hear the ball lands. <laughs> you got that three wood working, don't you, Merrill? No, I, I, I hit the driver, but I'm not – no one's going to compare me to John Rom, but I'm, but but I'm, but I'm in very the- good, my friend. Thank you so much for catching up and finding time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Always fun to be on with you. You bet. The legendary Merrill Reese. We're going to take a quick time out. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Following up a little bit, what Merrill was saying, I mean, dude, the the off season for Roseman has been remarkable. Has been remarkable. You know, I said on May 13th that that football team would not make the postseason because of all the players that you lost. You know why I said that? And, 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 and people are going like, Seals, you said they weren't. I did. You know why? Because teams don't survive. Here, what team can you remember, especially recently, that went to a Super Bowl, won it, lost it, and stayed intact and stayed competitive? The Patriots? Kansas City? Kansas City's not the same team they were when they won the first Super Bowl, right? It's the quarterback in the building that has kept them going, correct? Look at all the players that they've lost in Kansas City. That's not the same team. The quarterback has elevated his game. Just like Brady elevated his game when he was in New England. But look at the teams that have been to the Super Bowl recently. Shit, even your 17th Super Bowl champion Eagles fell apart. Within two years, the Eagles had fallen completely apart. Had fallen completely apart. Look at the Atlanta Falcons. 
They went to the Super Bowl. They fell apart. They're just digging out of it now. Look at the Rams and the Bucks. They've completely fallen apart. So when you guys go like this, Sills, you said that the Philadelphia Eagles were making the playoffs on May 13th. Okay, well, I was just going with everyone in the NFL and the common practice that teams fall apart. Until Howie started restructuring these contracts. I'll tell you something. If I'm, a, if I'm an owner, screw that. If I'm an owner, I don't, you know what's funny? I don't know what Howie learned more from, the Wentz disaster or the roster disaster. What did he learn more from that Super Bowl? Because that football team fell apart. It, it, it was lit on fire. Coaching staff, quarterback sucked. Guy was an MVP candidate, everything. Contract extension. There wasn't one thing left standing after that Super Bowl but the general manager himself. Think about that. The quarterback inflamed. The head coach was blown out. The players were leaving, retiring underperforming here there's momentum you feel the mo- i feel momentum i i i actually do you know you know you know what's funny most teams and most people kind of like exhale after a season doesn't it seem like the eagles are still like breathing fire from last year to where they are right now it's like they don't take a day off like, there's no days off with them. That football organization, not team, they, they have systems and how they look at shit. Okay? Free agency starts. Restructuring contracts. You got to prepare for the draft, which they did. They got cap money, $20 million, moving around Lane's money, a couple other dudes' money. They went into the draft with $20 million. They make a trade for Swift. Now they got another shopping cart day, June 1. Look at how they're set up here. Dude, don't be shocked if the Eagles add a B-plus player to their roster, June 1. I'm not going to be shocked. If you're the Dallas Cowboys right now, and you're watching Philadelphia operate, and you're Jerry Jones, and you're watching Philly operate, I'll tell you what. I've got to keep up. You know, people used to say you got to keep up with the Joneses and you got to keep up with the Cowboys. The Cowboys have to start doing some things that Philly does. Philly has owned that division for 23 years. Couple up and down seasons in there. Dallas has been nowhere. Shit, the Giants have had more success in the NFC East. Remember what I told you about building a championship football team? You got to first win your division. You've got a draft to beat your opponent. You've got to have the quarterback that wins the division first. Win the division, puts you in the game. It puts you in the second season. You never know what happens. You might fall into a Super Bowl or play yourself into a championship game like the Eagles did in 17. Do you know what won that Super Bowl in 2017? Wasn't Nick Foles. Wasn't Doug. It was the environment. It was the culture of the building. Next man up kind of shit. Seems like a cliche a lot of times to people. But this is why you know it's true. 
Remember what I told you about having blind faith in an organization? This is why Jalen Carter's a good, it's a good draft pick. If the kid fucks up, okay, it's on him. And the, you know, I, I apologize for that, but you know why? Because he'll be his own demise. This is not going to be a Jalen Rager deal. This is going to be more of a John Morant kind of deal if this guy falls apart. Because he has the talent to star in this league. Unfulfilled talent is sometimes the biggest crime of all time when you're talking potential. Potential sometimes, when you throw that word around, it's got to be one of the most overrated words in the history of sports. How many times do we see guys never live up to that because of whatever? Not getting to the octagon, not getting to Lincoln Financial, never fulfilling one's destiny, listening to the wrong people. Look at all the speed bumps. You can, man, I can name you a billion speed bumps to get into the way of success. Again, the, you have the prime example of a guy overcoming speed bumps and hurdles, playing your quarterback position. You know, when we talk about guys that are leaders, Joel Embiid is not a leader. He'll never be a leader. He will never lead the 76ers to a championship. Jalen Hurts has the capabilities of doing it. <clears throat> okay. Is, is Joel Embiid a more gifted athlete than what Jalen is in his respective sport? Yeah. Isn't it funny? You look at Embiid. He's the MVP of the league. And yet, guess what? When it comes to two minutes left in a game, I'm not going to him. I have no interest in him. Okay? James Harden, I have no interest in you. Kevin Durant, you're not leading me anywhere. When you were asked to lead, you ran. He thought he could do what he did in Golden State, being a number two guy to Seth. You know what's great about, hey, I said this to Dwayne Wade years ago when I was talking sports in Miami. Do you know what the key component was for that Heat team to win championships? What do you guys think was the most important component? And this applies to all teams. I think Jalen Hurts has a little of this. What do you think the most important asset a leader can have? What do you, tell anyone, what do you guys think happened? On why things got turned around. So much so where you're looking and you're like this. Okay, what? What was the one thing? Ray Allen? Nope. Bobby Clark's a great leader. He's a great leader. You tell me. What do you think was the most important thing that won LeBron those championships? Tony says confidence. I'll tell you what Seth Curry and Dwayne Wade had a lot in common. You ready? They made LeBron James and KD feel like it was their team. They made them feel like, hey, guess what? We need you to win. They put their egos aside. This like Hurts does when he talks about his teammates. Wade made LeBron James feel that it was his team. Seth Curry welcomed KD and, hey, man, you're going to lead us. Do you know what a great leadership move that is for Seth Curry? Steph Curry to go like this, hey, KD, this is your team. Everyone knew it wasn't. It wasn't the point. KD believed it. That's why KD went to Brooklyn and tried it. They sacrificed 
their own position, knowing full well it would never be challenged anyway. That's confidence. Some of you put the word confidence up there. Those guys are confident in who they are. LeBron James didn't have a lot of confidence going to Miami. Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade taught him it. That's why he was able to come back from 3-1. Because he had the confidence in him that he could lead it and lead Kyrie. Has Kyrie been anywhere since he had that 37 in that closeout game? No. It didn't take LeBron, but that moment being in that organization with Pat Riley, with 11 championship rings, and Dwayne Wade going, this is your team now. That's why he was so pissed off Dwayne Wade at the end when they didn't give him the $20 million. I mean, this guy bent over for Chris Bosh. He bent over. For... Those guys are so comfortable and confident who they are. It's leadership. Do you, do you know in, a, in professional sports how fragile that is? Look at you guys tell me all the time about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was the most valuable player candidate. He, he's a guy that helped win a Super Bowl for the Eagles. Confidence has been shattered. Never to recover. He's never recovered. Does he have talent? He does. Is he a guy that has shown that he's got, yeah. But the one thing he'll never get back, because he doesn't have it instilled in him. He doesn't have the leadership gene, and he doesn't have the quality. LeBron inherited it. Because LeBron was so young, and rightfully so. When you're young like that, not everybody has that Jordan gene. Jordan making the, hey, let's not forget, Jordan hitting the jump shot in the corner at North Carolina as a freshman. I mean, he's taking that shot at 18, 19, 29, 39. Jordan's taking that shot because he's confident and comfortable and confident who he is. Not everybody's doing that. And guys who just do this, like when Jalen comes to the podium, man, our team is really great. I couldn't do anything without these guys. He means it. He may, this is where Wentz failed. Here's your, here's your classwork. And here's your prime example of where Wentz failed. Wentz did not give the credit and let the teammates feel that he didn't empower them. Jalen Hurts, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts, Steph Curry, Dwayne Wade, they empowered Shaq and LeBron. Look at Dwayne Wade's resume. Dwayne Wade's resume is dealing with Shaquille O'Neal and LeBron James and winning titles with him and not getting in the way. Look at Steph before, with KD, after, didn't matter, right? I think there's that's an understated quality in an athlete. That's an understated quality that you empower your teammates. And, 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 and you must feel it because you know why? Like, like the kid Nolan Smith, I feel that with him. I feel that kid's got that quality gene in him. You know when you're in the building with the guy. You know when you're 
in a room or you're in a conversation with somebody that just exudes that. It doesn't really matter what you say to him or what he does. He's got confidence in himself and he's never going to be deterred because he's in a direction. You know, what is that famous Lincoln line? What's, what, what's the whole thing? Who, who gives a shit about knowing due north if you got to go through the swamp and you don't know a course to get through? What's the point of knowing due north? You can have the direction, but if you don't know the landscape, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to get there. What's the point of knowing it? It's a great Lincoln line. Knowing all your obstacles. Certain people in power, guys. Okay? Certain people. Carson Wentz didn't empower anyone. And that's why you hear this. You know, he's really not a great locker room guy. Tom Brady empowers everyone. He gets into a locker room. He'll talk to AB. He'll talk to Aaron Hernandez. He'll deal with Gronk. He'll deal with the 53rd guy in the roster. I mean, some guys have Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe Aaron Rodgers has that quality. Look at, hey, there's a part of me that questions a little bit on Lamar Jackson on that. Sign a brand new deal so you're not with your guys at OTAs. Come on, dog. You know, we were talking about John Morant and being a face of a franchise. It's one thing to be a face of a franchise, but when they empower you with $55 million a year and you're making a quarter of a billion dollars, you have an obligation to everybody in the locker room too because then they think that you think you're better than them. And that, again, goes to the point of not empowering your guys. So, hey, Jan, hey when, when, when Hertz was at the podium, didn't he feel uncomfortable talking about money? Because he didn't want his teammates to think he thought he was better than them. And you know what? When I come away watching that press conference, I feel this. Well, Chandler's not any better than anybody else. <laughs> but he is. <laughs> and you're 24. Right. Dude, I had nothing close to that. And it's rare to see that. You see a kid that's that young and you're like, shit. It's like Magic Johnson stuff. I told you this. One of the most impactful athletes in the history of my life is Magic. In a five-year span, this guy wins two state championships in Michigan, beats Larry Bird in the NC2A finals. His rookie year, he beats the Sixers. 44, 14, and 7 in game six. MVP at 20. Then goes on to win four more. I mean, shit. Has there ever been a better five-year span at every level than what he did? Maybe Russell? I mean, incredible. When guys make that kind of – and carried Jabbar to the title that he had not had since he was in Milwaukee. Those are great leaders. Those are just great leaders. I mean, Magic Johnson, it's one of the greatest leaders in the history of the NBA. I mean, you really think LeBron has the, the Magic Johnson leadership gene? I don't. Dude, Jabbar wasn't in that game six in Philly. He played the five. All right, I'm past my post. I want to reset. Um, interesting. Doc Rivers can again. We're going to reset everything here. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Hour number three, please hit the like button. So it's being reported right now. Joe Burrow has his teammates in mind when he's talking about a new deal in Cincinnati. He went to jail on Hertz contract. Probably a little more money. See what the owners are smart. You know what they're not going to do? You're not going to see $65 million. You're going to say, what, what, what was Lamar's deal? 50, 55 or what was it? Like 50 something. It was like, what was it? Like a million dollars over Jalen's, right? Right? Something like that. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see these incremental increases here. So you probably see like 57 somewhere. I think it was 52. You're right. So Lamar got 52. So Burrow will probably, because he's going to get more, I believe, than than Justin Herbert, and he should. He's done more. Um, so he'll probably get 52, 53. And then you know what's going to happen. The whole cycle is going to start over again because then Clark Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, is going to restructure and redo Patrick Mahomes' deal. You can't have Patrick Mahomes with an outdated contract, and he's the seventh highest paid or fifth highest paid quarterback. So as of right now, you ready for this? 
as of right now, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, let's see, um, Josh Allen, who else? Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Hurts, Allen, Kyler Murray. These guys are all making more money than Patrick Mahomes. And Burrow is smart. Because you know what it does? Jalen's contract. Everyone knows the contract is favorable to keeping great players on the team. It's not that Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has now set the bar on how these contracts are. Well, Howie maybe did. Set the bar on how these contracts are going to be thought of now. It can be done. You can in a salary. Hey, I'm going to say one one time to you here. You guys know how much I love Jimmy John. Jimmy didn't have to deal with salary cap. He, he never had to deal with the cap. You know, he could stockpile players the same way Chuck Knoll could. Now, the difference there with those guys was that they were player personnel guys and head coaches, which made it a crazy dynamic. And see, and Belichick, he didn't have that. He had Brady. He had Brady. Okay, Noel and Jimmy were better talent evaluators than Belichick. I actually personally think Bill Belichick could end up his coaching career as maybe one of the most overrated coaches in the history of the sport. Okay? I mean, let me ask you this. Let me throw this at you here. Who do you think is a better head coach? Bill Belichick or Joe Gibbs? Who do you think is a better um Who do you think is a better coach? Who would you want to have as your head coach? Joe Gibbs or Bill Belichick? If you had to pick a coach between those two guys. You know, 99% of the people I know who they would take. Who would you take? Would you take Belichick? Salary cap, Joe didn't have to deal with cap too. Remember that now. Joe didn't have to deal with salary cap. I would take Joe Gibbs. Why? Won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, Rippin, Theismann, and I think Jay Schrader and Doug Williams. This guy actually won it with five different quarterbacks. I mean, you talk about a guy along with one of the greatest front office guys in the history of the sport that were able to put those teams together back in the day, but they didn't have a cap. I'll understand that. John Riggins, they made a trade. And they brought him in from the New York Jets. They thought his career was over with the Jets. They didn't think Riggins was going to be that guy when he got to Washington. Hey, hey, uh, yeah. Jeez, I had the guy on my show numerous times. CTE's kicking in. What was the GM's name? Bobby Bethard. Bobby Bethard and him built dynasties. Bobby Bethard drafted Daryl Green. <laughs> Bobby Bethard is one of the greatest talent guys in the history of the NFL. Built numerous teams when it came to building championship teams. So, I mean, Gibbs was tremendous. I don't really think that much. I really don't think that much. I'm starting not to. It seems to Belichick a bit. I don't know what they're doing. And did you, and, hey, and is it me? Again, I'm going to reset everything here. But is it me? And I'm going to get to owners here in a second. 
Is it me though? So Bob Kraft came out and I saw the video today for the first time. I think we had a great draft. I got high expectations. Is he putting Bill Belichick on the hot seat? Because you draft two kickers. You really think you improved the team speed on your football team? Man, when I look at when I look at New England, they're the fourth team in the East. I don't see a dynamic football team. Who are your playmakers? Juju Smith-Schuster? Who did you add on that team? The kid from Oregon? Okay. He fell to you. That's a good pick. But when I look at New England, I don't know. I'm more optimistic about Cleveland. Shit. I'm more optimistic about the Texans than I am about New England, aren't you? I mean, when I, when I look at the Texans, I see the Texans. I see. I think the Texans are moving in the right direction. When I see New England, I'm like, man, the owner came out and said, we had a great draft on May 16th. How would you know that? You haven't even seen these guys in shoulder pads or in camp yet. And you're telling me you think you've had a good draft? Shit, I don't even know if the Eagles had a good draft. I don't even know if the Eagles had a good draft last year. And I tell you guys that. You, you battled me on it, but I'm like, they didn't play. I mean, the Eagles, the, the, the last two years, these guys have to all be impact players this year. Not just good. Kobe's a third. Hey, and for the record, Anyone that thinks that a third-round pick is not a premium pick doesn't know the history of the draft. The most productive round in NFL history is the third round. The third round is a premium pick. Okay? It's a premium pick. More successful players have been third-round draft choices than any round in NFL draft history. That's a fact. Second round is second. Question is, was it Tom Brady or Bill? I think it's more 75% Brady now. I used to think it was even. Now I don't. The same question will be for the Eagles. No way, Sirianni. Sirianni has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts' success. No way. No way. I think Bill early, I think he taught Brady how to read defenses. No way Sirianni has anything to do with Hurts' success. The only thing that I would give Sirianni credit for on Jalen Hurts' success, dude, this is more Howie Roseman. Howie hired the coordinator, not Sirianni. It was never going to be anybody but Brian Johnson. That was never not going to be that. And it was Howie's pick. Howie went out and got AJ. Howie constructed the offensive line. Kept the offensive line coach. Remember something. When Nick Sirianni got the head coaching job, remember what he said at the Super Bowl? Shit, when I got the job, I didn't know half the coaches that were on the coaching staff. They're already in place. How he hired the coaching staff. Now, do I think that Sirianni's got more autonomy now than he had when he first got here? I do. I think there's more input now. But decision-making still ends with that guy in the front office. doesn't end with Nick. Like, here, here, and I said this to you. This is how Nick picks his coaching staff. Howie will probably have about 
a name of 30 guys. And Nick gets to pick the coaches off this list, and then they'll interview them. And then they'll all see if they're compatible fits for the organization. That's how it works. You don't think Nick actually makes the hire. Anybody who thinks that's nuts, because that's not the formula. The formula is the front office picks everybody, including the players. I probably give Nick credit for having the pulse of his quarterback, knowing how to communicate with him and knowing the person which could translate to trusting on the field. Yeah, but isn't that kind of what Jerry Krause did when he took Doug Collins out of Chicago and said, I think a better communicator's Phil than Doug. And it was the GM that put that communication skill set with his player to make that environment what it is today in Philly. So isn't that the GM finding and putting the chess pieces on the chessboard? To me, that is kind of still Howie. Not every coach is going to have communication skills. We see that. How many times do you watch a, co- a coach and you go, Brandon Staley, you think is really connecting with Justin Herbert? He's a defensive guy. Or did anybody really think Matt Nagy was connecting with his quarterbacks? Mitchell Trubisky even had a winning record there, and it sucked and it fell apart. I think that has a lot to do with how he's putting the right people in the building. Now, to Tone's point, it's the personality that connects. It's how he's finding that. Just like he has in the past. And I also think it's the owner. Here, I wrote down these names for owners that I think do it right in the NFL. I think Bob Kraft does. And I'm going to tell you why I think he's the best owner in the league. Bob Kraft right now is setting the trap door for Bill Belichick to be pushed out like Don Shula was. If you're going to push Bill Belichick out the building, do you know who you got to push him out with? You got to push him out with Jimmy Johnson. Just like they did Don Shula. Just like Jimmy pushed out Landry. You can't push him out with some stiff nobody. That's not going to work. So what does Kraft have to do to get Belichick out of the building? You know what you do? You go get Sean McVay. You get a coach like that. You get a coach like Kyle Shanahan or Mike Vrabel, who's been a coach of the year, played in New England. Somebody with that kind of resume will be the heir apparent. Bill O'Brien? I don't know. Really? Taking over for Belichick? Now he took over for Paterno. In a really crazy situation. After the whole Jerry Sandusky, I thought he was magical at Happy Valley. I give Bill O'Brien a lot of kudos for what he did. I heard how he recruited kids, too. You know what he did? He walked into kids' homes, Bill O'Brien. Now, maybe he is the heir apparent to be there in New England. Because he walked into kids' homes going like this. Hey, man. It's kind of like when the Marshall plane crash. You had to play freshman. You know what O'Brien did? This guy walked into the room going, hey, I need you to change the culture here with me, and you're going to play as a freshman. Practice giving those guys playing time early. And all those Penn State guys played. He was offering in the Big Ten playing time for freshmen. (laughs) Dude, I'm signing up for that. What about the history? I don't give a shit. OJ played at USC too. Does that mean USC is a bad school? No. 
Kent State had all those kids murdered back in the 70s. Does that mean I'm not going to play at Kent State? Absolutely has nothing to do with it. Penn State, that, has, that whole thing has nothing to do with, like, when the Michigan Fab Five got in trouble, you think that really has any bearing on today's Michigan guys? Absolutely not. Nothing. I could care less. Penn State's moved on from that. Unfortunately, they've moved on from Paterno. And I've never really said this, and I haven't really had a conversation with you on that. I like Joe. And I'll always revere Joe. I'll tell you what Joe got caught up in. His own mystique. Dude, when you stay at a place too long, you're going to get vilified. And you're not going to do everything perfectly. And he wanted the all-time record. Same reason that Belichick wants the all-time record and pass Shula. Dude, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But what these coaches do sometimes, they stay just like a fighter. You stay too long when you're not wanted anymore. Quarterbacks, players, stay when you're not wanted. Got to get out. And Joe stayed too long. And he enabled the guy. I'm going to tell you this. When I've, I think it was 98 when Sandusky stepped down. First thing I said, I would think I was on the air then. And I, I, I remember saying, wow, that guy was the heir apparent to Penn State. He was earmarked to be the head coach of Penn State. Greatest defensive mind in the history of the sport. No, no better defensive guy I've ever seen in college football than Jerry Sandusky. Legendary linebackers and D-linemen and all the people that he put out there. Tremendous coach. And when they fired, where he resigned, I was like, damn, that's weird. I should have saw something then. Because I was like, man, that guy is so good a coach. So good a coach. Okay? So good a coach. Um, JM goes, he doesn't deserve Shula's record. Niners, you know what puts me to sleep? Watching your head coach protect your quarterback. Here's a 49. Hey, here's a 49er quarterback. Here, RIP, another Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Rest in peace, Brock Turdy. Dear Brock Turdy, rest in peace. I know you got your chicken wing broken by Hassan Reddick. Dear Brock Turdy, that's with a T. I wish you nothing but a great journey into the quarterback heavens. Congratulations for playing 12 games and getting your arm broken by your coach who gets everyone killed. Dear Heavenly Father, quarterback gods, we pray in the quarterback heavens name. Please accept Brock Turdy to the heavens. Amen. <laughs> there. How you doing? <laughs> That's his new name, Brock Turdy. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Brock Turdy. Oh, my God. Oh. All right, let's move on to this. Seals, you think McVay could turn around New England? Yeah, I do. Because, because Kraft's a great owner. 
Remember, they went to a Super Bowl without Bel- or Belichick being the head coach. Parcells was the head coach. He's won AFC championships. Okay? He's won it. Don't worry, Niner. Turdy's going to be a good player. Sometime this season. When he gets out of the chicken coop. Or wherever the hell he is. <laughs> okay? You know? It's all right, man. And then you get to put that stiff Trey Lance in front of I can't wait to see Trey. One play Trey. Trey's the only guy I've ever seen that could jump hurdles and jump over like fences and jump over hedges, but he can't play quarterback. Hell of an athlete. What school did he go to? Oh, yeah, that North Dakota State powerhouse. Tremendous. What a powerhouse for quarterbacks. The two, hey, two legendary quarterbacks come out of North Dakota State. Trey Lance and Carson Wentz. Tremendous. What a legacy. (laughs) Holy cow. I saw those two guys playing against Eagle Creek University, and I saw them against Chippewa Falls. Man, I'll tell you, that game against Chippewa Falls University, shit, you should have saw them white dudes out there playing. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. That slipped. (laughs) Sills, just because you were a bust doesn't mean everyone's a bust. No, no, no. I've actually played more games than he has. Just keep that fair. (laughs) Okay? I've actually played more games than him. So let's just keep that in the room. How you doing? So when he plays more games than me, let me know. (laughs) Okay? That guy was the third, was the second player taken? Brock Tur or no, that was Brock Turdy was the last guy taken. Uh, the other guy, Trey, one play Trey. Was he the second? Was he the second? <laughs> yeah. Brock Turdy, man. I can't wait to see him play. Bus, no bus, I guess. <laughs> okay. You, hey, Niner, you win. <laughs> you win, Niner. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, wheels. Niner fans get hurt all the time. See, look at I'm, I'm only playing with them, but hey, don't worry. You see, like I told you, this is about 49er guy. They get, they, you know, they get the panties in a bind a little bit. It's not the same kind of servings that you get when you're at Lincoln Finance. You get a hot dog and a beer. You get a real man's meal. See, when you're when you're in, what is it, Slana, uh, Santa Clara? You get a Merlot, cheese cracker. And a napkin over the guy's arm. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. I just got the napkin over the arm. You can make whatever you want out of it. It's the napkin over the arm. See? Excuse me, sir. Yes, th- my, my, my name my, my name is Frederico. And I'm here. Would you like to have wine, cheese, caviar, or a cracker? I'm watching the 49ers and the Rams, guy. Well, this is what we're serving. you have any beer? you have any real men's meals? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any real men's meals here can i get a beer we don't are you crazy we don't serve beer at 49er games we get all of our drinks from napa valley napa valley is that like with the car parts place no sir it's where grapes are buried and grow grapes they give me agita Grapes give me gas. Do you understand? I can't have grapes. Holy cow. 
be like a coach horse. I can't have grapes. <laughs> you serve grapes at a 49er game? Not me, man. I want a beer, dude. Real man's drink. <laughs> hey, JM goes, you literally live next to a, ve- a vineyard. Stop acting like a blue collar guy. Hoss, you must be under the assumption I live like in a great gigantic neighborhood with like millionaires. It's not true. Okay. And plus big cells is a blue collar guy. Always has been. Okay. My pop was too. Seals got his panties in a bind calling him a butt. No, 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 son. I know that. I know that. No, no, no. I know I was a bust. You're not hurting my feelings. You see, though, just 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 to Niner, the average career in the NFL is three years. All right. So I was average. <laughs> so I was average. Okay. You got me. <laughs> okay. You got me. I was average. I stayed three years in the NFL. You got me. Okay. Brock Turdy. <laughs> He's broadcasting from his grad. No, no, I'm broadcasting from my bar, dog. I'm broadcasting from my bar. You pay someone to put up your Christmas lights? Hoss, I still have my trees up. What are you talking about? I still have my Christmas trees up. <laughs> I, I, I still have my, it's, I'm not lying. Like, my animals like them. So my animals go into the trees. So my cats and my dog, they like the tree. Well, my dog likes it more than I want him to like it. But he likes he likes the trees. I have someone put my lights up. Are you crazy? My wife's the one hanging. She's the one hanging like a monkey on the, on the side of the gutters and putting it up everything. And I'm the one holding her feet. It's like a barrel of monkeys here. And I'm sitting here going like this, and we're putting up all the lights. Crazy. I'm surprised no, not one of us got, got killed during the holidays. Big Seals, at least you can say you made it to the show. The only show the Niner makes. <laughs> hey, Wheels. And I was a 56 player taken. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. All good, bros. All good. Hey, one more, one more comment about Howie. And I was talking to Merrill last hour. He has really changed my opinion of him. He, he, I mean, there is no doubt. The three, would you extend him again if you're the owner? Would you extend him again? And give him another contract at the end of this year. Has he earned it? I would not be shocked if that owner comes up at towards the end of the season, especially if they have another good year that you see the Eagles add two years to his current contract or 
give him another deal. I would say this. Look, Brett Veach in Kansas City has done a mar- marvelous job, but there's an advantage there. you got a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback. You don't have that in Philadelphia. You have potential of a great football player quarterback. You have the beginnings of a really good I, – I saw – Ray Rhodes win a couple NFL Coach of the Year awards as an Eagle head coach, and he was still fired. Okay? But at the end of the year, does the owner of the Eagles, does he come to Howie Roseman and offer a contract extension? And quite frankly, does Howie take it? Or do you go on the open market if you're Howie Roseman, to see what's out there. And maybe somebody offers you, like Bob Kraft, to take over for the Patriots. Bill Belichick makes $20 million a year. If you're Howie Roseman, you know, nobody talks about this. What if Roseman plays out his contract? Every owner in the NFL would want to have this guy as the general manager. You know, in business like this, he's not an owner. You got to maximize the most you can. Okay? If you're Howie, do you do you want to be a free agent? Yale goes, Howie has money and family. Yeah, but he doesn't have complete control. He still has to go through Jeffrey. And again, I would say of all the GMs, he, he has a lot of control. He does. And I'm not saying he doesn't have complete control in Philly. He does. But would the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles pay him $20 million a year? Like maybe say Bob Kraft would? Who better to turn the Eagles around? You know, you guys are asking me, who? Look at, look, look, look at Hurts, sees and stop talking. Hang on. Who better to turn the Patriots around after Belichick than Howie Roseman? You think they've thought that? that it's not about hiring a coach it's about getting the best executive in here look what he's doing look at what he's doing with the eagles look at how he's putting other general managers the nfl is littered with people that have worked in your front office hold on cosmo wait a minute i've I've never brought this up hang on what if he what if he goes, you know, I'm gonna do what Theo Epstein did. You know, Theo Epstein started and cut his chops in the Padre organization. And he worked his way up. I think it was Larry Lacchino was the guy who got him started in San Diego. And I think that's where Theo got started. I don't know if you guys remember Larry Lacchino. He used to run the Red Sox too. He's a friend of mine. And he told me that he got Theo Epstein started in the front office. And then Theo gets the job. You know why Theo Epstein got the job in Boston? Because Billy Bean turned it down. And so he got the job in Boston and won a championship and the first one since Ruth. Then he goes to Chicago and wins another one. I mean, you know, he, he made like $18 million a year doing that. So if you're Howie, You could be one of the most sought-after executives in NFL history if you went on the open. 
So he wins a Super Bowl, and then he resigns. What a better way to put yourself on the open market than to go like, or or go to Jeffrey. Go, I'll tell you what, I'd like to stay here. How much is it worth to you? Oh, he has a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Just like Jalen would take a pay cut. He's making $51 million. He's making $51 million. Okay. What about the 49ers? John Lynch gets fired. How about this one here, Niner? You hire Roseman. Bring him out to San Francisco because Lynch screwed up the uh, Trey Lance pick. Dude, I think Howie's in a great position right now. That's a great point. Yeah, I don't know what Howie's salary is. I know that Belichick makes $20 million a year, though, in New England. It's a great comment. Who takes over for Bill? Maybe it's Howie. You got a great owner in Bob Kraft. Robert Kraft's a great owner. Let me take a time out. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds Eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023.
GLES Eagles. Big Sales National Football Show. Appreciate you guys coming aboard with us here. Um, so Pat McAfee's moving his sports show to ESPN. What a, what a horrific move. You talk about controlled content freaks. Never put the same show on. He, he went for the money and albeit, I get it. 10 million a year. I get it. Won't last. Never in a million years. It'll be miserable. Trust me, when you go to places that control your content like that, you have no chance of success. How about this? Long-term success. Okay? It, it, it's black and white. You're, you know, he can't have an opinion when it comes to, um, like, Riley Gaines. He can't have an opinion on the Bud Light stuff. You can't have an opinion anymore when you go to ESPN. It, or or you can, but it has to fall in line with um, liberals. And he's not a liberal. So he's going to have major troubles there. Okay? And again, I wish him nothing but success. He's built a great show up. I, 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 I hope I can get my show to that level one day. But the reason he got, you see, you got to understand something. The reason he got that show to that level was because of the content that he provides every day. ESPN doesn't allow that kind of content. They just will not allow that. I mean, look at how many people that they fired over the years just for like saying nothing. And by the way, they're so cognizant of black and white. Any, any move you make or any innuendo. And what's going to happen? There'll be somebody in the building that's offended by something that's a type of minority woman, what have you, that will have a cow with it, they'll bring a lawsuit against it and they'll fire his ass. That's exactly how that will work. That's See, the, the, the beginning is good because it's the money. I took a job with a company. I won't say which company because I get in trouble when I say the names of companies, but I took a job with a company for more money than where I was at. Man, I was so happy, man. I signed this three-year contract and it was 400 grand a year. It was fantastic. Shit, my first day walking in the building, man, the, the program director and the market manager pulled me in and went, yeah, you can't really do that show. I was like, what? I had been there six days. And it was a flip from a, um, what was it? Alternative rock station. It wasn't even a sports station. So they were making a flip. It got no numbers. That was a disaster. Complete disaster. Biggest disaster probably in my career. Because at least the other places I got great ratings. This thing had nothing. And we were starting from day one. And I, I get in there. It was miserable. Every day I'm in the principal's office. Can't say this. Can't say that. Why aren't you saying more of this? Hey, you got to report on this. Hey, you got to. I was like, wait a minute. I'm not doing my show here. Okay, I'm not. He goes, well, we don't want you to do the show. I was like, I was so stunned. I was like, what? I was in a corporate meeting with heads and the owner of the company. The guy who owned one of the biggest radio companies on the planet. I'm in the room with him. He goes, we can't have you do that. Not yet. 
you're upsetting the the team that's on the station. And I'm like, how am I upsetting them? Well, you're saying they haven't won anything since they have been in Major League Baseball. I'm like, well, they haven't. <laughs> and I was, I was like, well, they haven't. Yeah, but you can't do that. Okay. And all the shit I had been doing on the previous station in the same city got me great ratings. I was the highest rated guy in the history of that state. I broke Wolfman Jack's ratings on that station. He's keeping his same content. No, he's not. If you're on ESPN Airways, no, you're not. It's a smart move. Generational wealth. You are on ESPN. You are not putting out different content. You think that they're going to tolerate a guy who says, hey, I'm totally 100% against dudes dressing up as chicks playing women's sports. You think that content's going to fly on ESPN? Vet, really? Try that. I want to see that. I want to. That's a, that's a company that honored and gave the uh, Arthur Ashe Award to a transgender dude. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I can't mess. Hey, hey, fly. No, hey, it is generational wealth. Good for him, man. And you've built yourself into that. But just like Joe Rogan told me, dude, reason you have your own thing, you can be your own thing. Joe Rogan doesn't need ESPN or doesn't need iHeart or Odyssey or any of them places. They come to him. That's the key to this, is being your own dude. Because when you work for a company like ESPN, there's not a chance you could do a show. Name me one decent show that ESPN has. And don't say Stephen A. Smith, he's terrible. Stephen A. Smith's radio shows have all been failures everywhere in every show he's ever had. He's a terrible radio host. He's never pulled a rating number because he's a race baiter. He's never had a, a show that was successful. It's always been canceled. Same thing with that Bomani Jones guy. They're terrible. They've never had successful shows. I mean, I've never seen a guy get more opportunities. Maybe only uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback that plays in the NFL, is about on 18 teams. I've never, he's the Ryan, Bumani Jones is like the, um, he, he, he's like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of radio hosts, constantly getting opportunities. Okay. Who even watches ESPN? Good point. Sales, look at the crap Howard Stern went through. Yeah, but look at Howard Stern now. Howard Stern pretends that he didn't make a career out of being a guy who went after everybody. Now, all of a sudden, he's just Johnny Do-Gooder. People don't, they don't forget. This guy did blackface. Choreographed blackface. And now, all of a sudden, he's trying to pretend he never did it. And that's why nobody listens anymore. Okay? Okay? That it just Howard's just not the same any longer. Anyway, good luck to him, man. It's going to be interesting to see how that whole relationship, because then you know I, I love him on game day too. I think he does a great job at game day, but I don't. I mean, he makes like five hundred grand. I think it is for WWE. They probably have the rights now to where he can. I mean, ten million dollars. You have a lot of control over, dude. I think the only other guy at that network that makes as much is now Stephen A. Smith. 
I think that's probably his equivalent is Stephen A. Smith. Okay? Howard Stern went woke. He sure did, man. That whole show is not even remotely. When I was a young kid and Howard Stern was on WABC in New York and I used to listen, prior to going to school, you would circle the block listening to this guy because you had never heard anything like him. I mean, to be soupy sales would be, if he, some of you guys don't even know who some of these guys are, but it would be Don Imus in the morning and then it would be soupy sales in the midday. Captain Jack would be in there, and I think it would be Stern in the afternoons. That station became WFAN. 660 was WNBC, and it became WFAN. Now, I think they're on an FM frequency, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And that thing was, that station was incredible. That W that WNBC station. I'd never, and to this day, there's never been a station like it. Dude, you used to sit there as a young kid listening to Howard Stern and Don Imus in the morning hate each other, go back and forth. It was fabulous radio. Stern had Bernhard Getz on there, the guy who killed these people on the uh, subways, or he'd call up Air Florida, who had a plan. I mean, he just did the most outrageous shit. And NBC got in so much trouble with that guy, man. Howard was in Philly in 86. He was probably on that news talk station, right? Yeah, Don Imus. Never Don Imus guy. But do you know one thing about Imus? You know Imus to this day is the most revenue-based radio guy in history. Even Stern didn't have the revenue that Don Imus did. Because Howard was blacklisted by a bunch of people. And Imus had all the revenue. Imus made all the money. Stern got all the ratings. And that's what that dynamic was on WNBC. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that was a... So it's going to be interesting to see what Pat does at ESPN. But good, good for him, man. Hey, we really appreciate you guys coming aboard. You guys have been fantastic as always. Thank you so much. Getting closer to June 1. June 1, obviously, we're going to see some free agency. Another shopping day for Howie. Till tomorrow. By the way, um, Xander, Big Joe, thank you guys so much. Tone, keep doing the great work that you do. Thank you again, my friend, for all you do. All the IT people, God bless you guys as well. We'll see you tomorrow going 3 to 6, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.